right. We got Lou Diaz in. Yes, Thank you for coming in so much. Appreciate you having me, brother. Appreciate you having me. What an honor, man. Oh man, please stop. I'm not. I'm not that guy, bro. <laughs> uh, yeah, you kind of are that guy. No, 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 man. So are you from Chile? I'm from Chile. Yeah, man. Do you know how bad I want to go there and look at the yeah. microscope? It's, uh, yeah, bro. If you're a stargazer, man, that's the that's the country you want to be in. Yeah, I'm a universe guy. That's are the you Bob a, Lazar? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, hell yeah. What's Chile like? Like what? Like well, what's the lifestyle like there? What's the atmosphere? Well, my memory of it because I haven't been back there a lot. I'm I'm ashamed to say that because you know I should be going back more. Um, but I came here when I was eight, so you know my memory's kind of like kind of blurred. Yeah, a little blurred. But I mean, it's you know it's a beautiful country. You know, the last time I went actually was with Pitt for in like 2012, and I keep talking about it. I gotta go down there. I gotta go down there. But it's always you know, my life is a little bit of a revolving door. So to get that break to get my whole family and go down and spend two weeks without working. Yeah, right. <laughs> that might happen, right? Yeah, exactly. So you so, come over when you're eight, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now, how is that transition getting over here? I mean, you know what's funny? As a kid, you know, kids are resilient. So, you know, I was kind of just naive to what was going on. Like when my dad, when my dad decided to bring us here, we had a you know decent life. You know, we had a nice, a nice house. You know, like a living maid. It was you know like we weren't rich, but it was just a nice, comfortable life for that country. And then my dad just always had, I guess, this like obsession with the states or whatever. And he was like a he does um like purses and he's like a like works with leather and all that and he had come and did a trade show like in 74 and was like man this is amazing so then he like worked out like a work visa or something and brought us kind of on a vacation to see if we would stay we didn't know we're thinking we're just going on a vacation so you know yeah he's setting you guys up the set us up <laughs> so we go and then you know we're in a little spot and as a kid you don't know you know three months go by six months go by and next thing you know I'm like, I guess we're living here now. You know what I mean? And uh, I don't know exactly the timeline, but, you know, we got granted, you know, uh, um, permanent residency. And that was it, man. And my life just continued on here, you know, and it took me like a year to learn English. It wasn't even, I don't even remember struggling too much with, with you know, learning it. I guess I was, old, you know, young enough to. To catch it early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both at the same correct, time. Correct, correct, correct. Yeah. yeah. When they talk about the border, somebody was telling me, I guess it was work or something. I said, how the fuck do you come? How do you walk from Chile to here? Is that possible? <laughs> Wait, what did you just say walk? Yeah. Like, it, like that's not possible. That's right? not possible, man. We're way the hell down there, man. <laughs> that's yeah, right, yeah. Right, We're like, in Antarctica, man. Yeah. A flight is like eight and a half hours. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, no. Jeez. Yeah, dude. No, we came in the old American Airlines, man, you know? <laughs> <laughs> So now when you get here, what are your aspirations to be early? So, yeah, th that's the funny thing. When I got, like, in Chile, I don't remember having any, like, dream about what I wanted to do. Just being a kid, I guess. And when I got here, the funny part is, um, I think it was, yeah, it was Elvis. My parents were watching Elvis on TV, right? And, I, you know, er er kids would normally look and be like, I want to be that guy. And I was like, I want to be that guy. My mom was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, the drummer, you know, in the back. I was like, man, that's cool, you know? So drums spoke to me. That was the thing. So... They got me like a little drum set, you know, when I was little and started playing or whatever. And really, I just set out. I was going to set out to be a, you know, a rock drummer. That, that was my dream. That's, that's what it evolved into. Um, and I got into a band at nine with uh, two guys named uh, John and Jim Camacho in elementary <laughs> school. And man, we were out playing. We played Bayfront Park. It was hilarious. I you took know, drum lessons too. Dave, you, oh, I, I, I'll never forget <laughs> the guy. My mom made me go. Uh, David Lazor, David Lazorchek. Lazorchek. Wow, I don't know the name, but yeah. Yeah, and I can never do the where you keep hitting it with yeah, the right, yeah, at yeah. the right time. My timing was just so mangled. I, I could have won a hundred times in a row, but it was good for the ladies though. No, it is. It, yeah, exactly. I mean, listen, it wasn't a bad, especially back those days. You know, to have it's you're better a, than a clarinet. Yeah, you're in a band. You're like, man, it was cool, <laughs> and and so that was it, man. My my whole music thing was just, you know, I fell in love with music and. The instrument that spoke to me was drums, and 
I did that for a while. Like, so my, in my mind, that's where I was heading. Obviously, my parents wanted me to go to college and be an architect and all that other stuff. But as I was, you know, I started so early with the music thing that I transitioned away from the musician thing much later, just out of, you know, getting involved and. Because you stopped with the drums and then you went into being a musician, right? Yeah, well, I mean, so. It's kind of hard. Well, yeah, I was like in the in the band, doing the band thing. We did a bunch of different bands. And we were, you know, we were good. We were, for being young kids, I mean, we were in high school doing like adult clubs, which is really trippy, you know, So and, and our high school in Hollywood. Um, we would do the Button South, which at the time was like a big, you know, nightclub. And so we're like these little oh, freaking yeah, right. 16-year-old kids and they're like, all right, we'll make an exception for you guys to come and play in here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but then in the band days, I started kind of like, you know, by playing live, I would be like, damn, my drums don't sound right. And, I, and I, it, that would kind of what got me into the sonics of it. I was like, hey, can we get oh. that kick to sound better, you know? You naturally had, I, that. Yeah, you I had like that instinct. Yeah, and, and I didn't know at all. That wasn't even like a plan. It was just kind of, hey, why can't my drums sound the way I wanted them to sound? And that curiosity I kind of got me into at home with my little tiny console that when we rehearsed, you know, like, let me make my snare bite better, you know what I mean? It's so crazy. Yeah, yeah, and then little by little it evolved into, you know, tech was also becoming a big thing. We're leaving tape, we're going into digital and drum machines came in and my brother who's five years younger than me, he was like in DJing, you know what I mean? Hugo, right? Right, Hugo, yeah. right. So, so that's how the transition happened to more production and engineering than, than the musician. And then uh, you and your brother started a label. What when you guys were like eighteen? Yeah, yeah, man. Damn, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you? He was fifteen. He was he was like kid. He was like twelve. Diaz brothers. <laughs> the Diaz yeah. brothers. Yeah. But what's funny is when we, you know, the label thing that we started that that we started when we were little, you know, eighteen. That was just really that was when Miami had all the, like all the bass music happening. So we were just trying like we were obsessed with like electronic music and all that stuff in production but we you know i didn't know what a record label was how it worked how to distribute our song record you know um what do you call it record pools none of that shit i was just like i want to put a record out so long story short very compressed um my brother was like a kid basically just hanging out with us so the diaz brothers thing was much later this yeah i just, just threw that out yeah yeah, 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 yeah no, but it was really <laughs> the beginning of it though you know what i mean um but that that was kind of like my college that's where i kind of learned the music business and then when you start the label, is your what's your brother's role at that time? So okay, so my brother, when we were in the band, he was our light guy. The so, light yeah, guy, yeah, <laughs> he's like, gonna kill you. <laughs> no, no, he, was, he knows it. He was great. He was dope at it. And then uh, when we started the label, my brother was like I told you, you know, he was he was like in other words, I was the hair rock guy. You know, I was into all the hair band. Oh, yeah. You know, like Van Halen. You know, I'm five years older than him, and he was like bringing hip hop into the fold. You know what I mean? And he was a DJ, and so then. In fact, the first record, there was a band called Real Raw that we signed, right? And um, so we go and make a song with this guy named Star, Star Dell, which, as a matter of fact, after this, I'm actually going to work with him. Oh, <laughs> and really? He's in West Palm Beach. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, so him and I are making the song for this band that we signed. It was, you know, a bass record. And then my brother walks in. Mind you, let's see, if I'm 18, my brother's, yeah, my brother's like 13 years old. He's a kid. Yeah. At the time, I was probably 19, so whatever. But he was already like, you know. You guys were so talented from the gate. Oh, appreciate it, man. Yeah, yeah but you don't know. You're just you're just being a kid. Having you, fun. Yeah, having fun. And your, you know, your curiosity just kind of leads the way. And he comes in. We play him the song. And he's like, nah, man, this is not, this is terrible. At 13? <laughs> yeah, 13. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean? And he grabs a, a two-live record. And he pops on it, moves something. And he goes, this is what it's supposed to sound like. I'm like, damn, he's right. <laughs> Yeah. So then we actually we actually modeled our song, even the patterns, to that Luke record, and it freaking went. It did good. Power started playing it, and I don't know what the hell I was doing, you know. And 
I remember it was me, uh, Dan Canary, which is uh, the the client. He owned the studio we recorded. We became partners, and you know, it was a long story there. And the record went, man. We sold a bunch of records, and that experience taught me, my brother. Everybody got to see we got to act as a label now. So we got it. Kind of was kind of like um like like a little pre made college, you know, Harnock's life situation. <laughs> how to? But how? So you get it on the radio, you right. get it out. Right now, how do you continue to push it after that? Like, are you knocking on well, doors? Are you well, yeah? Tapes? So so that's the funny part, right? We because we didn't know what we were doing. It's all <laughs> naive, you know what I mean? Now we were we just were lucky enough to make relationships with people at the time, like. We're going back to a point where, like, for example, DJ Laz. I don't know if you're familiar with Laz, right? So Laz was a kid. He was just starting to think about what he was going to do. And then uh, the program director and music director at Power 96, um, it was a DJ named Eddie Mix. And he's a friend of ours. He came to the studio and he loved to cut. And so we became friends with him. So we were building relationships for the future, to be honest, even with Pitt, that we didn't know. You know what I mean? We were just friends having fun. And... Um, as we were making these records, then we started learning from guys like Eddie Mix how the radio business worked, and you know what I mean? And so, because of his connection, then he put us on that song, he put it on this thing called Rush It or Flush It, which is like a contest of like local music, and if you like it, either put you up against another record. Right? How so, was that? I, mean, I remember those days, <laughs> right. where, what, they had like five of you? And, yeah, yeah, or like two, it was like two, back two. To, like to each other, and then the, whoever won gets the next one, you know what I mean? Gets the next one, right. Right, and I don't know if it was called Rush It or Flush It, but it was, it was that, you know, that whatever genre. And so we, he put it on there, and then it started doing well. And then we we broke the record at Power. We won like two weeks in a row, so it was like fourteen days straight. So they were like, "We're gonna play it." And so you know, I didn't know th- what that meant when I was. I was just like, "All right, great, they're gonna play it." But later, I realized, damn, we were we're lucky, man. Because getting us on the radio, right? So you had a major radio station playing it. You know, yeah. granted, it didn't go. It spread around a little bit, but it wasn't. But it was so big for us at the time. And so then that taught me what a record pool was, and it taught me what distribution was. It was taught me, you know, I, I was taught not getting paid, and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> all, all the all the things that come along with you know success in the music business. But. What is a record pool? So a record pool back then, I mean, they're still here, but they're digital now. Would be like, for example, you go print vinyl. You know, we'd print you know vinyl for for DJs, and then you'd go to the distributor to sell it. So I'm thinking, okay, well, we pressed up 10,000 of these, I gotta sell them, you know? And then the record pool's like, no, you're giving them to me for free so I can give them to our, our, our DJs who belong to our pool. Because you wanna give it to them so they can play it. Quiet. So, you know, we drop it off and the guy would sign off and we're like, where's our check? Like, what's going on? <laughs> and that's how you learned? Uh, uh, no, no, these are free. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> this is promotion. Yeah, there was no payment, right? There was no payment, and we're like, all right, that's what a record pool is. But, you know, obviously it was, that was probably more valuable than selling the record, you know? Now, when that happens, now now you got to be starting to notice. Wait, th- there's something here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that 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 definitely got everybody around us, like kind of like, whoa, you know what I mean? Like this is crazy. And and matter of fact, that label, that situation right there is really where all the people who are to this day, like Star, I'm going to work with them, you know, next, uh, right after this. Um, he was around Bobby, which. Is the connect for you and I, Bobby V. Bobby yeah, V. Yeah, Bobby V. Because he was a singer in my band, you know. Right. <laughs> Bobby was a singer. Yeah, Bobby was a singer. No, man. he wasn't. Bobby was Bon Jovi, bro. Bobby no, was Bon Jovi. Oh, he was a he was oh, a great Bobby. Wait, he was Bobby a great front Bobby. man. He was a great front man, bro. He was. He awesome. was a singer, huh? Yeah, dude. He commanded the stage. That guy. He was a beast. <laughs> it was awesome. I could somehow see that. Yeah, yeah. So, and he was around, you know. So then, when when that that record started going, and you know, after that, we got a couple of other songs. We started really running, you know, running a label. Um, we actually made Bobby the studio manager, so it, like everybody around us was just friends, you know. And, and that, and then as time progressed, and you know, Laz got on Hot One Hundred Five, and he started going, and he got on Power, and he yeah, got Laz, he blew up, man. Yeah, Laz blew up, and, and much of that stuff that we did early on was like 
after we closed that studio, I put all my equipment in my parents' house. And Laz came to my parents' house in our living room. We had all the equipment. And that's when Laz was like, I'm doing this song called him. And I listened to it. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. And that shit exploded, you know? And what year was that? Man, we're talking, God, I'm terrible with time. Me too. I want to say 90s. early 90s or maybe late 80s, I think. So in the late 80s, early 90s. It was it was bass. Remember, we were yeah, like bass time, booty shaking. How do you make it? How do, how do you make it back then? Like, Because you don't have that cool stuff. Yeah, no, then, no, no, right? no. You don't have nothing like that. No, nah, man, we had like, <laughs> like, a, like, ah, we had like a live board, like like a cheap live board mixed <laughs> with a little tiny reel-to-reel that only had eight tracks. And it was really all Canary stuff because it was a studio. Uh, this guy named Dan Canary owned the studio, and we went into to record. But we kind of hit it off. We became friends, and he was like, hey, man, let's do this together. I'm like, oh, you got a studio? Hell yeah. And it grew from there. So Canary had a big part to do to just kind of give us an opportunity to all build something around that. You know what I mean? Why is that studio such a big name? Um, what, Circle House or? Uh, 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 Canary's. Oh, no, Canary's studio? Yeah. It I always a, hear that name. Yeah, well, Canary at the time, um, it's funny that we call him Canary, but Dan. But yeah, yeah. But we call him Canary too. Birdman. That's what was yeah, his name Birdman. back then. He's the original. Yeah, yeah the original one. <laughs> but, um, you know, he's he was like, I think he was like 20, 20 something when we, you know, we were like the little whippersnappers, you know, coming in the studio. But he was just the guy who loved music, you know, kind of like us, just older than us. And he had put a studio together and he was just trying to run a business and do his thing. And uh, he was just curious as we were, you know. So we come in, I mean, in retrospect, I look back on it, I think, man, how tripping we must have been walking in. And he's like, who are all these little kids, you know? Yeah. But he was super cool with us, and, and we just kind of hit it off. It wasn't like, I never felt like he was older than us. He, he, he it felt normal, you like know? Like we're all equal. Correct. And uh, I think he had the same goals to do the same thing, so he was generous enough to say, you know, let's partner up. And we did, and we had a, a nice little run, and we learned so much, man. All, everybody who was in there I learned a, lot, a ton of stuff. Now, at that time, what would you consider yourself? Like, what would you consider your position? Like, That's are you funny. engineer, sound Yeah, no, not at drummer? all. Like, yeah. where are you at? I mean, right I was now? a drummer, and then now we're, you know, we're programming music, so we're, I guess, producers. Producer. Right, so we started producing records, but then because we opened the label, then we were the, effectively, the CEOs of the label, or the executives. Um, and yeah, man, it, it's funny. I, I started at the end of a career, at the beginning of the career, and worked my way back to engineers. It, it was trippy. My, my, my come up was- This podcast is brought to you by Monster Energy. Tear into a can of the meanest energy drink on the planet, Monster Energy. It's the ideal combo of the right ingredients in the right proportion to deliver a big bad buzz that only Monster can. Monster packs a powerful punch, has a smooth, easy drinking flavor. Athletes, musicians- Co-eds, road warriors, metalheads, geeks, hipsters, and bikers dig it. You will too. Monster Energy is more than just the green OG. Monster has Monster Ultra, Juice Monster, Monster Hydro, Rehab Monster, Dragon Tea, Monster Max, Muscle Monster, and many more. Buy on Amazon, buy on Walmart, or go to monsterenergy.com and believe me, you'll find a place. Unleash the beast. Monster Energy. This episode is brought to you by Let's Get Checked. Are you the man your father was? Recent studies have shown that men's testosterone levels have dropped substantially since the 1980s at about an average of 1% per year. Think about how old your father was when he was born. For example, if he was 30, your testosterone levels could be 30% lower than his. Low testosterone levels can have all type of health effects on men. It can affect your mood, sex drive, memory, muscle mass loss. You name it. And yes, low testosterone is more common the older you get, but it can affect men at any age. So let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in a discreet packaging with next day delivery. 
Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. So, if you want to test your hormone levels without having to leave your home, visit trylgc.com backslash mscsmedia and get 25% off your test using the code mscsmedia. The link is in the description at the top. It's crazy. When I was reading everything I could about <laughs> it, 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 it was it is trippy because because yeah. I don't know maybe I'm just nuts, but I would think you would do all the engineering, right. do all that stuff, right? Absolutely. So you got so sick of it, and then you would go take two sticks and just pound that drum. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. like it's over. I can sleep now. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not even that. It's also the progression. Like if normally someone such as an engineer, like let's like the typical normal thing would be you go to school, you get out, you assist, you run coffee, then you know, then you get to record and then after recording you get to mix and you produce and then you start your own record label and you get a big artist. Nothing like that. I started at the label. (laughs) (laughs) I worked my way back. From another country. From another country, Uh, yeah. Congratulations. No, I appreciate it. And listen, it wasn't super successful, but. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it was just, we were figuring it out, man. We jumped to the deep end of the pool not knowing, you know, and, um, I always tell people my, my naiveness was my my best asset, I guess, because I you know I didn't know, you know. To you, it was just normal. Yeah, you're we were just, just having fun. Hanging yeah, out. we're like, oh, how does this work? You know, I'm kind of figuring it out. So now, after you're done with Dan, uh, yeah, before yeah. we mess up his name again. Yeah. No, no, no. He loves Canary, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what what's the next step in your career? So that so that part taught me the music. That kind of is when I decided, all right, no more band stuff. I mean, we were doing the band like we still had the band with uh, with Bobby and and and, and Al. <clears throat> who's Pitt's engineer now. Now the fixed the, yeah. the bass player. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, so uh, we still did it. It was kind of for fun. You know, we were just doing it. It was just, we enjoyed doing it. But my mind was already set on like, okay, this is the path that I want to take, you know? But I didn't know, like engineering? Nah, I mean, I was like, I, I mean, I knew how to do it just because out of not having enough money, we had to do it ourselves and figure it out. But I wasn't like, that's a career. I was just like, I'm going to run a label and I'm going to be a producer now, you know? Um, and then I got married and I had my first baby on the way and you know shit was like whoa And then my brother's getting older now and he's like hey, man I want to I want to develop an artist and I remember he came to me and he was I was I had moved out because I was already like You know married with the, with the baby coming and I said to him here man. Here's all the equipment go have fun <laughs> you know <what> I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm like life got real for me just now. You know, what I mean so I was like I'm good man, whatever and my brother now He's probably what I was probably 20 something. He was like 18 now, you know, that, that that age sort of. And he had a group called G.O.D. and a group called K-Squad. And this little motherfucker went and got a record deal with Atlantic Records. Did he, with Atlantic Records? Atlantic, yeah, both deals. At how old? He was 18. <laughs> yeah. So he comes back and he's like, yo, bro, I got these kids signed. I'm like, what the, f- what do you <laughs> mean? You older brother. <laughs> I'm the older brother. I'm like, holy shit. So he's like, man, I got to record the records. So I'm like, all right, shit. And I'm trying to get out of this. I'm like, look, man, I got to get my life. You know, at that point in my life, I'm thinking, I got to get a regular job and be just a regular dad and all that, you know? Although I knew I'm, I'm going to figure a way to get back to it. Um, so he's like, I got to record it. So we went back to the studio. Now where Canary owned it, but next door there was another gentleman that opened a studio there. He was like an older guy, Colombian guy. And we went in there to record it. Just paid for studio time and I'm just helping my brother. Let me help you, you know, track all this. So we tracked it out. It was fine. Great. And I think, I think even the label was paying me. So I was like, oh shit, I can make money doing this. And I'm not an engineer. I was like, great. It was just a lick for me, you know, like cool. And uh, like a little hustle. And I finished, and then my brother turned in the um, the product or whatever, and the label starts thinking, okay, what's gonna be the first single, blah, blah, blah. And um, they were like, it's gonna be this single. So like, all right, who's gonna mix it? So then my brother goes, hey, who should mix it? And, and there was a guy named Carlos Santos, who was actually a mentor of mine. Like he was not knowing, 
meaning he was a sick engineer back then. He worked with Michael Jackson. He was like the biggest oh, Miami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. He was huge. Um, but you know his his background was dance music and freestyle music. You know he wasn't a dance hall hip hop guy. You know what I mean? And I'm a drummer, so hip hop was perfect from an engineering perspective. So after every session that we recorded, I would like do a, what's called the rough mix, just a quick little twenty minute, put a little high end, make sure the kick sounds good, just send it to the label. It's called like a demo mix or rough mix. And so then when they hired Carlos, because I was like, all right, that's the only engineer I know that's you know super duper. So we, and so Carlos did a great mix, but it was the approach was like a like a pop record, and this was a dance hall reggae group so when the label heard the, the the mix they were like man it's just different now you know we like the demo and then like who makes the demo and my brother's like well my brother but that was just you know a rough yeah, yeah he's like he's like my brother correct and then <laughs> they're like well let's get him the mix and i'm like so he comes to me like yo bro you gotta mix the album i'm like well, what are you crazy like what do you, what do you mean mix the album? i don't even know how to turn the board on you know and um so my first gig you know without me knowing was in new york at soundtracks um mixing a record for Atlantic Records, so it was just crazy, because now I look back and think, what, a, what a, am I nuts? I, like, do you realize you walked into Atlantic Records and your brother had it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, whoa. It's crazy, I mean, looking we're, back we're, at we're it. We're not even past like 25 yet, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Here we are. Yeah, so <laughs> I come in and I'm like, you know, I had an assistant engineer, and I'm like, everybody's looking at me like I know what I'm doing, and I'm like, I mean, I knew a little, but you know, that was a console like that. It was actually a, um, an SSL G Plus or 4000 back then. Oh, don't worry, I have a picture and I want to know all about it. <laughs> so I come I'm in. I'm really and, interested. In yeah, I come in and I'm like, all right, man, how do you turn this thing on? Let's go. And and I figured it out. You know, I'm I botched it up like crazy, but again, another learning experience. And that kind of got got me thinking. Damn, maybe maybe I'll do this shit because now I don't have all the responsibility after the record's done and I mix it or work on it. it yeah, it's not my problem. Because before it, it did it did get a lot for an eighteen year old you know I was freaking dealing with like like I said you know the whole label thing. So at this point, so what would you say is because I always get confused. You have a sound engineer, right? Then you have an engineer. Then you have a producer. Right. Then you have a, an assistant yeah. engineer. Yeah, right? yeah, it gets confusing. So the sound engineer. So all of them are sound engineers, right? So that would be the overarching title. But then you have like, the assistant is just there in the room to sort of assist either the mixer or the recording engineer, whatever they need, patching stuff. You know, back then we would do patch. Um, but the main key people are the recording guys. So if someone says, okay, I'm gonna record an album, say a band, right? All right, cool. There's some guys that are like amazing at that. They don't even wanna be mixers. They just wanna record and they're amazing at it. And listen, I tip my head off to them because it's incredible. I so, got to tell you this real quick. Yeah. I had corn, I had uh, Kalen Chasen. Oh, wow. And he performed live in here. Wow. With him and his brother. That's crazy. You know, he was with corn and yeah, yeah. Vimic. Yeah, yeah. And man, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I mean, no. Yeah, not, raw talent. Raw talent. Yeah, that's Raw talent. And he's, he can't see. Yeah. He's like 20, a gazillion. Yeah. And boy, could he belt it out. Yeah. It was man. unbelievable. Yeah. Well, people got that raw talent. It's undeniable. To see it nowadays, you know, without the. Yeah. What do you call that? The auto tune. Yeah, auto tune and all that. I mean, there's ten thousand different things you could throw on it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could definitely make them sound better, you know. But, but back uh, then you couldn't, right? No, back then it was like, hey man, do it over. <laughs> you yeah, know what I'm saying? Do yeah. it again. And that's the so that's the recording engineer's purview. Like he's the one who's like and, and the producer. So the producer would be the one calling the shots, hey, are we keeping that take? Are we doing it over? Should we do the solo? You know, he's you know, back then with bands, a producer would also be kind of a writer because they would write together and say, hey, let's change the bridge. And the recording engineer's job is just to sit there and record and make sure everything's technically going in good, no distortion, you know. Um, and then 
from that point, then the recording engineer will do, like I said, a little rough mix at the end of the night, so everybody has a rough, and they can all listen to it. And, and once they're settled, like we want to mix it, all right, cool. Then would call a guy like me, and they'd say, okay, come in, and now I get everything they did, and I got to try to make it sound like what we'd wanted to sound on radio. You know what I mean? In your twenties. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't know that. I, you know, yeah. I was like, and I was a recording engineer too. I, it was my <laughs> own project. So I didn't know the scope of what I was doing. That's why I was able to do it without freaking out. You know what I mean? I think if I would have known more what I was going on, I probably would have like been nervous. Yeah, yeah. Trying to trying to impress like. And it was my brother. It was like family. You know what I'm saying? So it was wild. But I mean, it was Atlanta. I mean, look, the first gig we were in the session, we were in Studio B, and thinking A Heavy D was there. Oh, rest in peace. Yeah. And we got to meet him. I'm having coffee, and Heavy D comes out. I'm like, what the fuck? This is crazy. (laughs) Where am I? Right. Yeah, yeah. And the Beat Nuts were in the other room. And it was just wild, man. It was just so trippy that, you know, at the time, it, it was affecting us, but it wasn't throwing me. You know what I mean? And then as you move on, why do you decide to make Circle House kind of like your oh, base? Yeah. I mean, those people, uh, Circle House, in a, the great inner circle, which is, you know, they, they sing the song Bad Boys, Bad Boys, the cops sing yeah. the song. That's, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, that's a forever song. That's a forever song. That song built that studio, you know? Yeah, see, really? that's just one of the rooms right there. Wow. That's, that's room A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That... There was what you gonna do? What you yeah, gonna do when, when they, they come, come for you? Who doesn't know that? And then sweat, girl. I'm gonna make you sweat. That's, oh, yeah. that's them too. Yeah. So they, ironically enough, during that project with my brother, I got to know a guy named Peter Thomas because he was the one who brokered the deal, the two deals for my brother's bands. And so then he started hiring me to record, and you know that's how kind of my career started because Peter was like, all right. This is the guy. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I thought, well, maybe I'll do. I remember coming back and telling my wife at the time, like, hey, I'm going to do this. She's like, like All right, what, whatever, right, exactly. She deserves a trophy. Oh, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so I, I, you know, at least I was making money. You know what I mean? Right. And he was feeding. I'm like, all right, cool. Putting food on the table. Putting food on the table. And so I was doing projects. So then Peter, we, I was, he's flying me to New York all the time. I was literally in New York more than I was in, in town. But I was happy to do it because I was making money, you know? And uh, working, 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 and cutting my teeth, figuring it out, you know, learning about the business or whatever, or at least the recording side. And then uh, one day he's like, hey, listen, we I was working on a project from an uh, uh, artist named Knuckles from, from Canada, and it was on Def Jam. And he goes, hey, listen, we gotta do a recall. And a recall is just when you finish a mix and everybody takes a demo home, somebody goes, man, I wanna cut that line over again, or we should raise this, or whatever. So you have to go into the studio like that, and then put all the buttons back where they were, put all the gear back as it was, so that oh. you can go make the change. It's called the recall. Anyway, I'm glad that digital took over. <laughs> so now, do you have to, at that time when they do a recall, do you have to try to remember where the you had the buttons and well, hope here, that they're here, closed? Here comes, here comes <laughs> where a good assistant comes in. <laughs> oh, okay. Because, you take his ass through. Right, because like back then, see that board? You see the middle computer there? Yeah. So that computer keeps track of every button where I left it. So you can save it at the end of the day. And then so they have to start, like say on channel one, they open the computer and there's a screen up top and it shows you the, okay, fader, the pan, and all the buttons going up and you gotta go through all the channels. So it's like two, three hours before I come in. Just even get started. And then that's not even adding all the gear that they patch in and then whatever setting I put in, they gotta write it down. It was a headache. You know? <laughs> but we loved our assistants that were good at it, man, because a good recall was saved everybody. Well, you had a great team because yeah. when you had to do something like that, you could count on... Correct. assistant to go in, do right. his job right, yeah. and you could come in and, exactly. and knock it out. So every mixer, when they had an assistant they liked, they were like, dude, that's my guy. You know what I mean? And then they got to learn what you did, and you know that's how the kind of chain of command worked. So uh, they said to me, uh, Peter says, look, we got to change, because I, I think the Knuckles had mentioned Tyson or something. It was like, we're going to record the line over, you know, whatever. I said, all right, great. He goes, but we're not coming to New York. Don't come here. You're going to go to this house in North Miami, North Miami, uh, North Miami. And I'm like, a house? I'm like, 
you know, we're in New York working on soundtracks and quad, <laughs> like these freaking giant studios. What do you mean a house? Right? Yeah, a house. I'm like, all right, whatever. He know it's his label, whatever. And it's Def Jam. They know what they're doing. So then I drive down there, man, and I'm like, get off the highway, 135th. I'm like, what the hell am I like, in the neighborhood? I'm like, and I pull up, and there's like this double lot, two gates, like a mansion. And I'm like, ring the bell, bang, I'm like, yeah, come in. And then it was all Jamaicans, and I'm like, what the hell? And I come in, and the studio was, I mean, look at that the thing, was crazy. So I walk in, I'm like, what? And this was in a circle's private studio at the time. They just built it, and it was like, Dan, the Marleys, all, all their connects, and they were doing their albums in there. And they were friends with Peter. So I come in and I'm like, I'm gonna do the recall. So then it was like, it was just so wild how I came into it because I was in New York all the time and I didn't realize that they had built the studio. And when I went in there, I kind of hit it off with the family. You know, we just had great energy and they were like, hey, do some mixes from, for Inner Circle and they turned me onto the Marleys. And then that studio, as it grew, I grew with them. You know what I mean? I was never hired by them. They were never my employer, but me and another uh, engineer uh, named Ray C were the two guys that kind of got the benefit of being constantly there. And as that studio started blowing up, basically it became my platform. You know, so how can I not be home? Plus, they were just they. You know, looking back, I'm thinking, man, I I owe them this the part of my career that really went to them, and they just gave me an opportunity. They 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 honed me. They gave me, you know, they allowed me to fuck a lot of shit up and not say nothing. You know what they, I mean? They treated you with respect. Oh yeah, yeah. they were with, with beyond that. So yeah, so to me, like, I I owe my debt of gratitude just for having that platform. And you know, and then as they grew. It just freaking. I mean, how how can you pay for that kind of advertising? Now, when you're flying in New York like that all the time, is, yeah. is, is this around the the nineties? This is uh, yeah. This is probably from ninety. I want to say like ninety three to about ninety seven. Just oh, shit. constantly. You're right there with the East West. Oh yeah. Oh Tupac yeah. And yeah, yeah. 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 Matter of fact, I took an elevator ride. I had with Caden Biggie. In. I had Greg Greg Caden in. Oh wow. The guy who remember he spent ten years yeah, yeah, investigating. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I talked to him all the time. He's he's a cool dude. Is he? Yeah. Cool. He's really wow. Really cool. Yeah, it's funny, man. When you see people like that, like I met uh me uh Meech, who's you know he was huge, you know. Yeah. And uh, I didn't. I actually worked with him. I recorded him and everything. He was super cool. And then like BB, which is like the guy who runs BB's like one of the sons of Inner Circle uh, of Ian, the bass player. And he basically ran the studio. Like, and he was like a fifteen-year-old kid when I got there. So BB basically now BB's like a freaking you know like he knows everybody in Miami. You know, he's like a freaking Miami icon. But when you're flying in there in the nineties, is there tension? Are you not even well, aware you know, of that? Kinda, because I mean, you can hear it. Obviously. No, no, no. I knew, pocket screaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm totally aware of what's going on because I'm in the business, so I know. But you know, you're so wrapped up in the room, and I never really worked at the time. I wasn't big enough yet to work with Pac and work with those people. It was just more. Hey, you heard about this? But when I was in New York working with Peter, we were at Quad, and I jump in the elevator because they were giving me a tour of another room, and freaking Biggie walks in, and I'm like, you know, at first I'm thinking, is that really Biggie? Like, it's wild, you know. And he's ta- talking to Craig, which is my assistant, and he's like, yeah, Craig, I want to be in D if you need me for whatever. And he like there's one floor, and he hopped out, and I go, was that was that Biggie? He's like, yeah, bro, that was Biggie. I'm like, oh fuck, I should have taken a picture, you know? What I mean? Like, yeah. so I, I didn't. I mean, I said, what's up to him? That was it. Oh. Uh, yeah, but definitely the tension everybody felt, especially us, you know. But we weren't, I wasn't working with anybody that, it, yeah, that it mattered. Stuff, yeah. And by the time I worked with Meech, it was already past that. Like, I think it was already after after Biggie and Pac were both gone, so it wasn't as crazy. But but it was definitely like, BB pulled me aside. I was like, listen, do you understand who you're working with in there? And I'm like, no. <laughs> so he kind of broke it down. I was like, oh, shit. Okay, my bad. I, you know, I How did know. he break it down to you? He was just like, give me that kind of the whole, you know, who he is. I mean, he was like pretty much running you know, the entire West Coast, you yeah. know. So I was like, oh, shit, okay. But he was so cool that to me, I'm like, I went back to the regular vibe with him, and he was cool. He had like a label with a bunch of artists, and you know, th- at that time, my life was such a revolving door 
that it was them, then it was cash money, and the next day it was, you know, slip and slide. It was just like, <laughs> you know? You know what we're talking about? You know, guys, you never know if they're nice or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, everybody, you know, Suge Knight's crazy as hell. Right, right, right. But Greg Caden, who had to interview him a bunch of times right. about the Pac and Biggie yeah, yeah. case, he said that Suge is, is a... Complete murderer, nutcase. But when you sit down with him, he's yeah. a really respectful, it's, reasonable it's, guy. It's, it's <laughs> and, he, and he's like, he's really nice. It's weird, dude. Like I, I <laughs> that happened to me so many times. Like Meech was one, and another one was Fifty. And this one, Fifty had in the club. Like he was Fifty. Like he broke the scene. And and he, he was pissed about the shooting. Thing all that shit, right? So and you know he had a reputation and the whole story. And he comes in, and I'm like, oh shit, we got to be on our. You know what I mean? Like hopefully this guy's not a hothead. You know? He comes in, he goes, put the CD in. Like I'm like, all right, pop the CD in. My sister like jumps, hops to it. You know? And he was fucking the nicest guy, bro. It's just super cool, chill, laughing. We messed, messed up a punch. He's like, ah, you know, I'm like, what the hell? Tell us little kids the story about or about <laughs> when you first met 50 Cent. So you see him, he walks in. Right. But yeah, take me, take us little kids. Well, <laughs> well, it's exactly that. I'm sitting, We, we it, I was in, not that studio, I was in C, which is in the cabana next to the pool. So you just sit there, you're waiting, and then, you know, the door opens, and, you know, there's no introduction. They just, they come in. But, you know, we're all like, oh, shit. Because he came, you know, he had, like, f- ten guys all with bulletproof vests and guns. It was crazy. So, and it wasn't <laughs> like. sitting there yeah, just trying to. Exactly. <laughs> they didn't come in the room, but they were, you know, the bus comes in. They unload. And you're like, oh, shit, they're all here. You know, what whatever. Is, what is it, the army? Yeah, exactly. You know, but he's on tour. So, like, yeah. and I remember he was so disoriented because I remember he, like, closes the door and he goes to Shaman. He's like, what city are we in? Because, you know, he's asleep in the bus. Yeah, he goes, bro. He goes, we're in Florida, bro. And I'm like, actually, you're Miami, but you know. What I mean? <laughs> and so they're like, yeah, 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 all right. So they're like, hey, put the CD in. I'm like, all right, cool. So I'm trying to gauge what he's like, and uh, I started, you know, quickly realize, you know, you get to know a person after you spend ten minutes, and I'm like, all right, this is a good dude, super cool, man, like super nice. I don't have one iota of him losing his temper, or, you know what I mean? Super cool. And Sean Money was super cool, and then cool, cool enough that I thought. I'm gonna give him a beat CD because me and my brother at the time were like working, we were making beats. So in the background, I burn a CD. I'm thinking I'm gonna hand it to him. Fucking, he's a nice guy, whatever. And I take it out, and I remember thinking I'm not giving it. I'm gonna give it to Sean Money. I'm not giving it to Fifty. I caught the vibe that he's the business guy. So I go, Hey, Sean, here's some good, beats. Good move. Right, that me and my brother did. He's like, All right, cool. I'm like, All right, and he hands it off to some kid, and he goes into not that room, but another room in circles called B. And Lloyd Banks was in there working. Lloyd Banks, right? Oh, and he pops that. it in. And Lloyd goes, "I'm recording that first one," and that was ended up being Southside Story and Hunger for More. Oh, wow, yeah, bro, crazy. Wow, Lloyd Banks is good. Yeah, he's awesome. What happened with him? You know, I don't know because got sick of it. Yeah, I, you know, listen, everybody's story is different. I don't really know because I wasn't like so like that. For example, people think, "Oh, you were in the studio with with uh, Lloyd Banks and you got to know him." And no, nah, but I didn't even mix that record. We gave him the beat CD. They recorded it. I didn't even hear it. They didn't clear with us. It wasn't like we were in chart, nothing. They just recorded it and left. Yeah, I just meant like generally. I mean, yeah, he yeah. was pretty crushing it. And then yeah, but well, I think him and the G-Unit thing, they had like a little bit of a beef. Maybe, it yeah. Was, and, I, and it might have been the case. I, I don't know. And, and to be honest, I might, I might have known and probably forgot at this point. You know, it's yeah, been so long. so long. Yeah, but he was amazing. And his album did freaking amazing. The funny part about it, about Lloyd Banks is I'm in Newark, not Newark Airport, in JFK one time. Just on some random shit. I was, I was gonna up, say Newark. I feel bad. For yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting there, born in my flight, and freaking here comes Lloyd Banks with all his, you know, his whole posse. And I'm like, oh shit, I've never met Banks. So I figured, let me walk up to him, tell him, hey, bro, me and my brother are the ones who did the beat. Now, at first, when you look at me, if you don't know in the music business, I do not look the part. You know what I'm <laughs> so I come walking in. He's looking at me like, yo, who's this dude walking up? And I'm like, hey, Banks, my name is Lou, and blah blah. And he was like, 
kind of just looking at me like, is this a joke? Is there cameras around, you know? And I'm telling him, we did the record. He's like, oh, shit. And he was super. He's like, yo, bro, tell your brother. I said, what's up, man? I love the song. I was like, hey, man, thank you for the opportunity. Boom, 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 whatever. And I went back to my seat waiting for my plane. And I remember talking to, to Annette, my wife, and I go, yeah, I think he freaked out. He's, <laughs> he's like, who the hell's that dude? <laughs> yeah. Who's that guy coming off? Yeah. Name? Security. Yeah. yeah, I look like a freaking teacher. Like, he's like. <laughs> now, before all that, right, your brother said, hey, you got to go find a Latin artist, or you and your brother, you guys wanted because there's no Latin artist in Miami, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, what it was is, so my engineering career throughout that time, so we're going from like 97 when I walked in the Circle House to when I started working with them actively and their studio started growing. Um, it was really like 95. So like 95 to 2000 was like the, where the studio grew and I grew with them. And then, you know, I was doing local bands. I wasn't doing major, major projects. Um, and then my brother was producing now on his own. Like, you know, I'd give him the equipment and there was no deals, brother. Right. You, you, you do it, you go, yeah, take yeah, it. Yeah, go take it, go have fun. <laughs> and he, you know, he was doing well. So he was working on that, getting those projects going, then, you know, being hired and doing this. So we were kind of working separately in that he was being more of a producer and I was being more of an engineer. Um, and then as the studio grew, um, then, you know, everybody started kind of flooding into the studio and more and more bands came in. And then there was a band called, um, the Bahaman, and, right? And they were they were uh, the house band in uh, at, Cl- at Club Atlantis in, in in the Bahamas. So they were like you know they were known in the Bahamas and they had their gig, but they were friends within the circle. And every year they would fly to Miami and record an album. And it was like Jonkin music, and I'm like, all right, cool, great. So I would record. That was kind of one of my gigs that I did all the time. So by the third, I think it was the fourth album or the third album, I was kind of now getting busy. I think Cash Money was in the studio, and I was working with them. So it was like I had bigger, not not bigger and better things to do, but I was just booked out. And so they come to record the album, and um, I'm like, I can't do the I can't do the gig. So they hired an engineer from from uh, from New Jersey, which I I don't know who the dude's name was. Um, and then, uh, you know, fate um, he gets snowed in in, in in New Jersey, and so Lourdes, which is the studio, the actual studio manager, comes in and says, Hey, Lou, I, you know, I, can you cover these three days because he got snowed in, and then when he comes back, you go back to the gig. I said, Well, if you move my session, no problem. Great. So that, I was glad to do it because I love the guys, you know. So I go in and that three day span, we did Who Let the Dogs Out. Yeah. Right. You not? Yeah, he did Who Let the Dogs Out. Yeah, yeah. So, that, so that's another one that's, yeah, that's forever. That's, that's like the cops one. Exactly. Who Let the Dog? I was right. in high school. So we record that. Play, every football game. I know, I know. It's crazy. Every, I was a running back. <laughs> oh, so really? I used oh. to hear it constantly. Oh, my God. You know, <laughs> constantly. And I thought, I, know, I had no idea that someone was going to go like that at all. I mean, I thought, what the hell is this? You know? Like Who Let the Dogs Yeah, oh, yeah. You're I thinking, like, like, who the Yeah, what the fuck am I doing? You next know? thing you know, it's on it everything. Was, you couldn't have played that song. Correct, correct, correct. So anyway, that but that song came out and it blew up or whatever congratulations thank you thank you and and so uh but i was also now super i mean i was working i literally spent more time at circles than i did at home you know and so i wasn't wrapped up too much on what was going on as far as like what songs were getting big but that one surprised me because i couldn't believe how huge it got and so you know of course it got big and then in 2000 is when it dropped and then it got nominated for uh best dance recording so and it won so that was my first grammy Congratulations! Thank you, thank you. What is it like? What is it like to win your first uh, well, Grammy? Because now you go from it's, the drummer <laughs> to you know, bro. You go take this shit and run. I don't want nothing <laughs> right, to do with right. it. Next thing you know, you got the biggest song really at the time. It was yeah. number one forever. Yeah, that thing was huge. And then you win a Grammy. What? Yeah. What is that like winning a Grammy? Like, yeah, I hate I hate to burst everybody's bubble, but <laughs> it's not that great. No, no, no. It wasn't. You'd think I would have a suit, planting my wife, go to the Grammys, all that. My life was so a revolving door at the time that I was actually editing in the vocal booth of B. I think it was in the circle stuff. I was just frantically trying to get it done because I got up and backed up with work. And Ray C, 
was working in A, and he goes, hey, bro, the Grammys are on the night. He comes into the room, because we're kind of alone. The clients are all gone. And I'm like, oh, cool. I'm like, whatever. Who cares? So the Grammys are. I'm like, I don't know. You know, so I go back to how to finish this shit. Aren't you, know? you supposed to be there? Huh? No, but I didn't know. I didn't even know they were nominated. I was so <laughs> busy. No one, you know, like the band didn't call me. It was, I mean, like, not that they would call me. They'd think I would know, you know? Yeah. But I would, dude, what I tell you, I would come home at four, get up at 11, and every day. It was just crazy. And so then I'm like, cool. And I walked out to the lounge, at a little TV. I'm like, oh, cool. I left them on, you know, cool, whatever. And I go back in, through the control room, back to the vocal booth, back to doing my grind, you know, and I'm working. And then Ray comes, he goes, bro, you won. I said, one what? Oh, no, he goes, you're nominated. I said, nominated for what? He goes, bro, the, who, the bomb and President Dash recording. I'm like, the hell out of here. Cool. I was kind of happy for them. I didn't, you know, I didn't know we all were credited with it. I mean, I knew that. just wasn't sinking in. It wasn't like clicking, right? Correct, correct. And then he comes in and goes, they won, bro. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Are you serious? He's like, yeah. I go, I'm like, shit, I missed it. But I was like, all right, whatever. And I remember calling my wife at the time. It was like quarter to two in the morning. And I thought, well, this I'm, is a I'm big sure deal. she loves that phone. Yeah, yeah exactly. But <laughs> in my mind, I'm thinking, this is a big enough deal, right, where I should wake her up. You, know like, <laughs> but, you only want a Grammy. Right, right, right. So then I tell her, she's like, what? <laughs> she's like. <laughs> like. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I said, I'll, I'll talk to you about it tomorrow, whatever. And then the next day, you know, I find, you know, find out and, you know, talk to Naris. And I'm like, oh, shit, okay. Now, do they actually send you that trophy? No, no, no. What's funny and what's oh, crazy? I've been, I've, I've been very, very unlucky when it comes to that. The more successful you get as a mixer, the less odds you get to get the actual statuette, which is weird. That's bullshit. You, you know, want? You know why? Because why don't you have a picture? Well, no, no. I, we, we get a plaque. <laughs> we get a certificate. So yeah, I have that. But like, if you uh, uh, do an album, if you don't record, if you don't participate in more than fifty-one percent of the album, then you get the you get the plaque, but you don't get the statuette. But the thing is, what's funny, people, other people don't know, the more successful you get, the more you charge. So they're like, all right, you'll just do the singles, and we'll get another guy to come and do the other nine songs. <laughs> so the, the, the second guy gets the Grammy, and you're like, shit, I don't get to touch it. Because you're like 9% of the three singles that came out that hit, right? Exactly. You know? So I only work on the hot records, which is great, but the downside is they don't give you the statuette, which is funny. But whatever, you know, listen, people who know, know, you know? Yeah, I mean, how many um, people won, and this is just the first one. We have yeah, a few yeah, more yeah. to well, get Well, actually, though. no, and that year, that's the crazy part. So then that year, I'd done a record with uh, Beanie Man, and that freaking went the same night won uh, best dance, best reggae album. <laughs> so I was like, "What the fuck? This is a crazy year." Two thousand. You call again? Huh? Do you call home again? No, 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 no. <laughs> I actually found out the next day. I was like, "Oh shit, that one went too. Wow, incredible." Uh, and uh, but but that what you asked me originally was like my brother. We were doing remixes for Sony or whatever, and my brothers asked the question to to White Clef. We had worked on a record that Clef was on, and we met Clef at a view shoot. And my brother said, "Hey, bro, like, what do we do?" Like, advice because you know i was doing great as an engineer but as producers we weren't really doing anything big other than doing dance remixes for all the latin uh artists on, on sony and clef goes um I, I, if i were you guys i would find an artist and invest yourselves in that and i was like all right you know advice taken all right so both of us kind of were like all right let's look out for somebody and that's kind of what led us to to pit and then what you were in there and he came in and and you yeah. thought he was like yeah like well, an intern right of course because in my mind you know like uh, like now mind you so that's 2000 right we signed pit in 2001 so like after that uh a grammy went after the who let the dogs of success then like puffy came in he was coming out of that whole court thing with j-lo and all that shit and then he started the, the saga continues so of course they call circle I'll say who do i work with and they're like they mentioned me i'm like this is amazing you know so i started working on that project so I, that's when I started working on bigger names. I was still recording. I wasn't like a like a known mixer. I'd done some mixes. I mean, obviously, I did 
one of the dogs and all these other ones, but I wasn't like this like guy that you go to. But I was in known enough where I was recording, mixing, whatever, whatever I wanted, whatever I could do. Um, and so my life turned really crazy because then I, I tried, you know, Mary J. Blige and Tony Braxton and Beyonce. It was like, it was crazy. My life was insane. So when you do like a Beyonce and mm. a Mary J. Blige yeah. and then you do like a P. Diddy yeah. or, or a hip hop, yeah. how different is that on the board? Well, in, in in that moment, I was tracking. I was rec- I was a recording engineer. So different. The only difference is really just like what chain you use. Like so, if you got a vocalist, you say, okay, well, Mary's voice voice is very sharp. You would you would pick a you know more softer mic, that kind of thing. But after you get your vocal chain down, it's pretty much the same thing. It's just the, the, what are you dealing with as a person? What do they like to do? Do they like to do the whole take? Do they like to be punched in? Do they? You know what I mean? You just kind of try to be the guy that makes it comfortable. Makes it comfortable and get the best out of the them. best out of them, right? And you know, let the producer. You kind of you're supposed to just disappear. Just tech. You know, you're the tech guy doing it right. Um. So no, it was amazing. There and they were all super cool. You know, Puffy was super funny and. Um, was he uh, funny? Yeah, he was hilarious. Yeah, I mean, he he kind of had his camp. He he kind of cracked the whip a little bit with his camp, you know. But you know, whatever. I guess they all do. But he was super cool, chilled, you know. Yeah, and uh, it was fun. And then you know, then it wasn't just me. Then a bunch of other engineers came in. The whole thing became this whole. Oh, oh yeah. shit show! Right. It was like every every studio was booked out. It was crazy. Yeah. And then, <clears throat> so you meet Pitt, and then he what, what does he give a CD or, or something? Yeah, yeah. So so because of that conversation of that remix we did that led us to Clef. I was like, all right, we're going to find an artist. And, and, and my brother and I were like looking around locally at the time, and there was a guy named uh, Joe Vicious, who then named himself King James, who then became Dirtbag, which signed with Cool and Dre ultimately, you know? And we were talking to him. We're like, yo, this is the guy. Maybe we'll get, you know, we're, we're just like our first kind of look at an artist. And uh, we were kind of there. We weren't really like ready to sign, but we we're getting close to talking about doing this, you know? And so then, because I was working so much, Luke called me and he goes, "Hey, I want you to mix my new album that was ended up being something nasty, but I want you to mix it over at my studio. I have my own studio in South Beach." Uh, sure, no problem. So I hopped in the car, went out there just to do a gig. So I do the gig, and I'm in there working, <clears throat> and I, you know, I know all the people that are working with them, so I've heard them before. So I'm mixing this record called Lollipop, and I'm like, the verse comes on, and I'm like, "What the fuck is this? Like, who is this guy? Like, who's the new rapper?" I'm like, "Oh shit, did he sign somebody in?" You know. And meanwhile, the whole time, Pitt's sitting here. But I'm thinking, in my mind, I'm like, oh, he's the he's intern. The intern. Right? Yeah, the intern, or I don't know, you know, whatever. You know, Luke's studio was a little less formal. Right. You know, it was just like people were just kind of around. Coming in and out. Yeah, so I thought, oh, he must be an intern. Maybe he works for the label. I don't know, you know. He didn't look like the rapper to me, not what I was hearing. So I said to him, because I said, I said, hey, I go, who's who's this guy? Because I know all, all, all of Luke's. And he's like, that's me, dog. I go, what? <laughs> what are you talking <laughs> about? What do you mean it's you? He's like, yeah, it's me. And then he pulls up a chair and starts talking to me. I'm like. What? Were you serious? And he's like, "Yeah, bro, I'm signed to Luke, and I go on the road with him." And I'm like, "Hey, get the fuck out of here!" So that it was just a 20 minute conversation, but there was just such a great energy in, in, in how we were talking, and we just made a connection. You know, it was the only way I could describe it. And that's where the light bulb went off in my head. I was like, "Man, this is the kid." You know, not no no offense to King James, he's a beast, but it's just I had that epiphany. I was like, "Whoa!" You know, you had that instinct. Yeah, and plus being Latin and him being Latin in the time, mm-hmm. everybody there was really no. Latin rapper from Miami that was doing anything with hip hop. I'm trying to think. There was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, shit, man. And so the conversation kind of led to like, listen, my contract's running out. And there was no hate towards Luke. We, were all, we love Luke, you know. But he was just like, man, I think I hit my limit here. I, I don't know what I'm going to do, whatever. I was like, well, you know, if you get out, call me, bro. We'd love to like mess with you. And he's like, all right, cool, cool. Not, not thinking anything was going to happen. I didn't even know maybe Luke would sign him again or whatever. And then sure enough, man, he called me. He like called me like four months later, like, like almost like on the nose. And I told Hugh, because I ran home, and I'm like, yo, bro, I met this kid, Hugo, blah, blah. And Hugh was kind of like, all right, but you know, whatever. Like he wasn't there, so he didn't know. 
<clears throat> and then Pitt calls me and he goes, hey man, I wanna fuck with you guys. I'm like, you're out the country? He's like, yeah, bro. I'm like, oh shit, awesome, bro. Come meet me and my brother. So we set up a meeting at my brother's house. And I went over there and I remember Pitt came in with a CD and he popped it in and he had a bunch of freestyles. He popped it in and we listened to him. I'll, my, my brother looked at me with his face like, oh shit, you're, you're right. You're right for once, yeah, bro. Exactly. <laughs> he was like, fuck, you're right now. You know what I mean? Because before he was always the one who knew what was going on. I'm like, dude, no, I, I, you know, I believe in this kid. I think he's going to be the one. And he's like, all right, yeah, I think this is the kid. So we offered it to him and he had a, uh, an attorney named Angie, which ended up being our attorney and all the whole cruise attorney. And so Angie kind of like, Negotiated the whole thing, and then uh, we signed them at a, the Macaroni Grill on Aventura. The Macaroni uh, Grill, Macaroni Grill, the front, which is not there anymore, but it was the front uh, round table, and we signed there. And then we rented a house in Davie, Florida, and we kind of like, you know, like sort of moved in to that house. All of us, we spent all the time there. Turned the master bedroom upstairs into a, a control room. The closet was the booth, and that was it, man. Just started going. What was it? The charisma. Is that what it was? Yeah, it was a combination. And you know what it was? I think it was also, and I'm thinking back on it now, it was also, I heard the verse, and I was like, ooh, this kick is spit. You know, whoever this is. So my mind, I'm thinking, ooh, Luke's got one. You know what I mean? I wasn't thinking like, oh, I was like, oh, this kid's up. Because Pitt, Pitt wasn't wasn't like what Pitt is today. When we signed him, Pitt was a, he was a rapper. Like, he was a battle rapper. So he, like, Luke used to take him around on, on tour and would actually get on the station, do an interview, and call everybody out. Hey, you think you're a rapper? You think you can handle it? Really? You would and, never think that, right? Yeah, and he goes, meet me in the corner, blah, blah, blah. I got a kid who's going to wow. dice you up. And You and, would never think that. And the people would show up, and Pitt would, would, just eat him, huh? Pitt would dice him up, man. It was crazy. I was like, yo, this kid's an animal, man. Like He had that kind of like, you know, t- different style, but that Eminem fierceness where you're like, you sure you want to go against this guy? You know what I mean? Pitt was, he would dice you up. And so... He kind of had the reputation already, and I, and not that I think I heard his name ringing in town, but I don't I, know I didn't, but I knew he had already a few people had already like talked about him, you know. So when we, Hugh and I signed him, it was about that. It was a hip hop artist. It wasn't at all the pop guy he is today. Um, so yeah, so then when when he came around and we started doing music together, it, that just started evolving, you know, more and more about like, hey, maybe we should do a little bit more of this and a little bit more of that, and kind of moving him towards the center more. Like pop, pop. <clears throat> yeah, and it was just because our, my affiliations and all my relationships were all the Eddie Nicks, Laz, yeah. more rhythmic, you know, right. less urban. And um, and he was, at the beginning, he was a little like, like he was like, he wasn't happy about it. He was like, what the fuck? He's like, you trying to turn me into party man? <laughs> yeah. You know, like he, yeah, I'm, I'm going on the street here, yeah, guys, yeah, like, you know, you, you, yeah, exactly. knocking people down and you want me to <laughs> shift a little <laughs> right, bit? Right, <laughs> And so, uh, uh, but, Pitt, man, I, I'll tell you this, out of every artist I've ever worked with, and you know, not all of them I worked in the capacity that I do with Pitt, but even I see them with their, their people, you know, in camps, artists don't listen, man. The, the majority, 99.9 are a pain in the ass and never listen to good advice. And one thing I gotta get to Pitt that's super important is that he's super good at like, say you give him advice about something he knows you know, he may disagree, you might even have a little altercation, but that motherfucker will go back, think about it, and come back and go, you're right. And I'm like, whoa. I was like, what the hell is this? See, that's how that's how we were raised, though. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. I mean? He's a smart guy, man. And and and, and I never gave him, I never always gave him good advice, but the advice that was good, he listened. And then he put it into practice. So then when he started on his own going, you know what, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna start moving in that direction. Because, you know, our power wasn't putting songs on this station, not power and not uh, EDR, which is the urban station. So we we needed records that worked, you know, because power would be like, Yeah, this is a good song, bro, but we can't play it. So I'd go back to pay, yo, pay, let's do a song more like this. And little by little, I started moving the needle. And then, yeah, an inch, huh? And once he caught on to it and he believed, oh, yeah, that was it. That was it. 
And then he yeah. did uh, MI Miami. Miami right? album, yeah, yeah, yeah. What did that stand for again? Uh, money, money is a major issue. Money is a <laughs> Isn't that the fucking truth? Yeah, yeah exactly. And it was for all of us. So, How long did that, because that was the first one you Correct. did with him. Yeah. Well, was that his very first very album? Very first album, yeah, yeah, yeah. How long did that take to do to get uh, so, Pitt like, like, situated finished? in that? Yeah, well, like I was telling you, we, we rented that house in Davie, which we kind of all moved in. So we just went in there. The, the reason why we did it was because it was me and my brother. Uh, Robert Fernandez was another partner of ours. We still works with Pitt. He actually is the CEO of Mr. 305. He runs Pitt's label today. And I got another guy named Alan Levine, who's an attorney, was a, a, just a close personal friend of mine, wanted to get in the business. And really between the four of us, we were all kind of chipping in and you know working and putting money in and trying to, like I, I, Alan's job was like, you pay the lease on the house, We'll do the music. I'll throw five thousand in. You throw, you know, it was just crazy. We were just That's all so funny when you think back. How yeah, it was, it was wild. Yeah. But 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 you know, everybody believed. You know, and Pitt made us believe even more because you know he was infectious, man. He was fucking driven. So that in that house, we were able to just record a lot. We didn't have to worry about being on the clock. We were just recording all the time. Pitt would bring people in. We all brought other producers in. It was whatever. Um, so that from two thousand and about two, we probably got the house, and it took us to about two thousand and four to get all the music we needed to actually put an album together. Wow, four years! Yeah, so yeah. patience. Well, yeah, it was. It was. We signed them. Then it took a while for us to get the house. So it really was more like I want to say two years because in that house, you know what I mean. But it was also we weren't really working on an album. We were just kind of working on anything, whatever worked, and try to put a record out to ca catch legs on radio you know but because of that we amassed a bunch of songs and that was what we picked cherry picked from to put the miami album together and then then you do the next three of his albums yeah right? yeah yeah and we were we, we were kind of like executive producer you know of it all really because we even the miami album me and hugo i remember had a conversation with like bro we can't strong arm this shit and think we're only ones that can produce you know what i mean because then we're going to stifle the artists like it's not really good for our our own our own sake so we brought like jim johnson in which that was a one of his big records he did was Damn It Man. So that was a look platform for Jim. Jim was already doing stuff, but he wasn't quite the Jim Johnson he is today. And that was a record that really kind of sprung him too. So it was great, man. It was all the Miami guys too, so we're bringing everybody in. Um, and then, But then after that, we weren't as involved in the musical songs that we were going to pick because it was just the, the, the envelope was opening up more and more. We were just more concerned about, okay, we, we're in budget. Or, because that was a whole other fucking story, dealing with TVT. Oh, my goodness. With who? TVT Records, bro. Oh, Why does that shit. sound so familiar? Steve Gollett, man. Oh, yeah. I remember uh, somebody bringing him up. I'm sure. That, yeah. Uh, good, good and bad, but I mean, you yeah. know, learning experience. Good and bad with everything, right? Exactly, exactly. So we were more, you know, there was a lot of lawsuits going on. There was a lot of sh bullshit going on. So we were kind of more, kind of, you know, our attention was like, we got to figure something. Pitt was really like putting the records together. We were still working, you know, we, but it wasn't like we were like the beginning where it was just us. Believing, you know. I remember Bobby telling me. Uh, I guess he was filming something. You, I don't know if you were there. I think he said you were there, and some guy felt sick or something, and he and the guy left. Okay. And Pitt rolled up, or the, the guy felt sick. He was nauseated or something like that. Uh -huh. And Bobby said, "Hey, uh, so and so doesn't feel so good." And Pitt said, "Tell him to get the hell out of here, then." Oh, that's that's much later. That's yeah, recent. It's probably recent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't know when it was. Well, you remember when I told you when I got here? I was like, "Man, I'm like the most perpetual late person, or was I should say?" But my wife and Pitt, man, funny. <laughs> I taught him a lot. One thing he taught me is to be on fucking time. That motherfucker, man, like God. That's what Bobby was telling. He's, like, he's just punctual. Yeah, and how? You know what it is. I, I, when we signed them, that was one of the things too. Like I remember, we were shooting a video. I think it was the Born and Raised for Khaled, right? So it was like a big Miami thing. Yeah. So we're all doing little shoots all over Miami. And the night before, we had partied, man. I think we had done. I don't know, even know what song we worked on, 
but we all got maybe three hours of sleep and we were fucking hung over you know just yeah. one of those nights and we get up oh we know yeah <laughs> we know exactly so we get up to go to the video shoot right and i'm thinking man i don't know if i'm gonna even make it like it's crazy it's fucking 8 30 i've slept three hours i'm fucking still drunk <laughs> doesn't that suck right and then fucking pick calls and I'm like, hello? And he's like, what's up, bro? Where you at? I'm like, like like if nothing happened, like he had the best night of sleep of his life. I'm like, you got a fucking evil twin or something, bro? And he because was out with you drinking too, and he was there on he the He was phone. fucking up and ready. Energy was right. I'm like, yo, you like superhuman. And in, time, in fact, that whole time, he'd be in my house nine in the morning. I'm like, fucking pit. Like, he was just driven. I mean, he still is. He's a, one of the most driven, like, artists that I know. And it's like, and super, like, uh, what he's very, like, um, what was I say? Discipline with himself, like super, super disciplined. Yeah, I, the other thing about Pit the Bobby I thought was funny. He said he used to, no matter what, he would be rapping. If he's in the van, oh, yeah, he's rapping. If always he's, writing. Yeah, yeah. And he said he he would rap sometimes even through like a, a toilet paper roll. So really? It would sound better? I don't know. Well, listen. The funny I part. I could is, have that wrong. No, so no, no. Well, listen. That when once Pit got on the road, right? Alfie, which is our bass player, which he he actually lived in Tampa. And I was like, oh, you got to get to Miami. I go, we got this kid, you know, you, you can record, whatever, you know, I'll plug you in somehow. And he was kind of like, ah, you sure, man? I'm like, you know, I'm asking him to move, you know? And he's like, all right, fuck it. You know, he but moves? He, well, he kind of, he was coming back and forth already, but he kind of moved because he, he kind of got, <laughs> got stuck. He got stuck. Yeah, he got stuck. <laughs> and so he put a little studio together. And really, he, his studio was where we actually went before we got the house and recorded about four or five was in the townhouse in Davie. And that's what made us go, let's just get a house. Um, so Alfie was his engineer, which is to this day his. That's all Pitt records with. Um, so yeah, man, it it, it it was just the, the 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 his his system. He's very like once he has it, and you know, like I was going back to the being tardy thing for me. You know, the bigger he got, the more on time he got, and the more. And it was like, damn. And my wife's like super punctual. So between those two, they kind of whipped me in the shape. You know, and, I'm like, damn, I can't look bad. And am I right that? Most artists on that level that you've worked with, yeah, they're not on time. No, 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 no. All artists are fucking late as shit. Like <laughs> disrespectfully late. Like I mean, and listen, when I say disrespectfully, late, I was late, so it didn't matter, you know. But like, one example was I was working with Raekwon from, which is super the nicest guy ever. Speaking of nice, good people, good dude, man. And uh, I didn't know him, you know. So he booked Circle House. He booked like six days or something. So I'm like, all right, they asked me, he's gonna track. I don't know what he's gonna do, but whatever. I'm like, oh, I'm on the session, no problem. So I go the first day, boom, I show up. You know, it's like noon, and I actually was a little late. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, four, five, seven, eight, nine, ten. Didn't even come to the studio. I'm like, oh shit, all right, nah, no big deal. I dip out, come back the next day, doesn't show up again. The third day, I'm like, I call my sister. Hey, listen, man, if he shows up, just tell him I want to get a bite to eat. I got plenty of time to get from my house to the studio. <laughs> cool. By the fourth day or the fifth day, he shows up. Right, and at this point, we're watching movies, <laughs> playing popcorn, you know, fucking popping popcorn, and he comes walking in. I'm like, "Oh shit! All right, Raekwon's here. Cool." We come in, and then he worked. I think we worked thirty hours straight. <laughs> thirty hours straight. <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah, yeah. And then I ended up working with him, you know, uh, a bunch of other times. Super good dude, man. It's just a great energy or whatever. We were actually really pretty tight. I lost touch. I, I regret not keeping in touch with him. Um, but yeah. So that's an extreme, you know, and and but none of it was ever like it was. You got shit to do, you know. People book sessions, and back then the money and from the labels was flowing. So for him to lose two, three sessions was like no big deal, you know. And back then there wasn't. <clears throat> was there like that three sixty deal thing and all that um, stuff? I back mean, then? that shit kind of evolved as in time. It, it 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 was there. Some people did it. Some people didn't do it. And then it became where labels just didn't have a choice. So there wasn't enough money for them to make from sales. They got to get money from somewhere else. Like, you know. People tend to paint the labels as bad guys, and, and they're, 
I'm not sitting here defending him at all. But you got to think, like, if you're an artist, right, and you built up a, a situation like talking uh, uh, pre-social you know, uh, media. Yeah. Right. So you don't have no movement. You have no Instagram, right. no nothing. Correct. Yeah. And you need a label to come in. Yeah, and, how are you going to do it? Right. Bankroll a million dollars on your career and then, you know, fucking hope it works. And then if it doesn't work, maybe another million dollars. <laughs> maybe another yeah, million, right? Yeah. I don't think you need to be bitching that the split's a little lopsided towards the label. You know what I mean? So I saw that, but, you know, the artists and then the artists get go out and then the label's two million in the hole. Artists goes out, starts popping off and they're making 50, 60, 70, 80,000 a night. You know, so the labels are like, look, man, sales are on the floor. We got to start getting a piece of the show. Got to get a piece of, you know. So everybody negotiated their own deal. So the 360 thing was kind of like just like a, a saying, and everybody had their own thing. Now it's kind of standard. When did you <clears throat> When did you start to notice the streaming, like Napster and all that? Oh, man, when, was... when did you, what year did you notice? Because you were like Let's in, see. in it. like Yeah, yeah, I was in it. Not, it's funny, man, the dates. I'm thinking, when did Napster come out? Because Napster came out quick. Yeah, quick. And, and, sh- and then as soon as they shut that down, remember it was LimeWire? Yeah, LimeWire and all that fucking, and, and Pop, uh, Pirate Bay, all, everything. Haku or something? Oh, yeah, it was crazy. They, I mean, that guy, you know, that's technology. That's technology is disrupting, you know? Um, I remember that shit was... Not a good time, because you know, it, it, it translates to everybody. You know what I mean? When labels lose money, they they, they they retract, and guess what? Budgets shrink, and I did it in high school. Yeah, I, yeah. We, I didn't have any money. Oh, I did it too, you and know, I'm I, in the business. You know, but I need it. I was like, I need this mix, and I got to, you know. And in my mind, we always justified it with, well, I'm using it for work. Like, yeah, I would download it and burn yeah. it on DVDs. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I saved up and got a DVD player for my car, so <laughs> I could play the music videos in the car. <laughs> you, go, bro. you know what I mean? Smart man. And then they took down Napster, and I go, what am I going to do now? Right, 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 right. I better keep playing football. Right, but you know, (laughs) those are the necessary evils that technology bring that you got to figure it out. So to me, like, in the long haul, I'm I'm in the beginning, I was kind of like, damn, this is kind of fucked up, because it was basically stealing, you know? But it it needed, the business needed that. Like, labels need a kick in the ass every once in a while, because technology is going to keep moving. If you just sit tight, labels were very good at, like, all right, this is working, don't fix it. And... You know, you got to have some vision to say, yo, CDs are coming. Uh, you know, digital's coming. Like, what the fuck are you going to do? They're like, nah, vinyl. I'm like, holy crap. You know, like. Yeah, hello. Hello, right. So Things I, are I, coming big. Right, I didn't feel bad for them. They got, it caught up to them, bit them in the ass. But, you know, that kind of got things going and evolved into streaming and, you know. But definitely, I think music lost that. That's why I think the bands like the Pink Floyds in the 70s and those fucking people made crazy money because you couldn't even, before cassettes, you just had to buy an album. You couldn't share it. Like even right now, Aerosmith, any of those type guys, those they'll, guys. they'll pack a fucking stadium. Oh, yeah. Yeah, forever. And like, if you're a country singer, forget it. Oh, my it. goodness, yeah. I've crazy. never seen fans like that in yeah, my life. Oh, no, country is on a whole other... Country's always been that. It's funny because you get so wrapped up in pop music, you get so wrapped up in what's the new flavor, and country all along just, you know, just chugging along going, we're making all the money. This, this is not racist at all, but I've never yeah. seen better fans... Than NASCAR and country, they will come and oh, pack yeah, fucking yeah. ten stadiums if they. Yeah, can. yeah, man. And forever they're all gone. Nah, man. Listen to me. Uh, to be honest, to be honest with you, like being in Georgia now, to appreciate it more. And I've always liked country. I did a couple country albums that, that were just like clients. No, names I like Kenny Chesney and Rascal Flatts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm. I, I love all kinds I heard of music. He's a dick, though. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, no, I yeah. I never really met anyone. Actually, I was just in Nashville with um, John McBride, who owns a huge studio called um, Blackbird Studios. He's actually the. Uh, um, uh, uh, Martina Martina McBride's uh, husband oh, okay. yeah super good dude you know but the energy I love it I love Nashville's energy the country artists you know genres I don't know a lot of them but the business people it's just a different vibe it's cool you know but you're right man the, the artists are passionate but there's there's more like 
there's just more people listening to country music, you know? Yeah, I, I went, my girl at the time, she wanted to go see Kenny Chesney. Right. So I'm like, you know, at the time, I'm a guy, I'm like, come on, <laughs> really? All right, fine, you know? Anyway, I liked it, you right. know, but I went yeah. there and I couldn't believe what I saw. Yeah, I, I mean, this wasn't like an auditorium or like oh, a, no, yeah. a thing outside with a little bit of a roof over yeah. and then you got people in the grass. No, no, no. Yeah. This was like... Miami Stadium. Yeah. And then the parking lot's filled watching it on the screen. Wow. I, I mean, it was That's nuts. crazy. Yeah, nuts. Yeah, no, no, Absolutely nuts. Yeah, I mean, listen, and they've been doing that forever. You know what I mean? Like, you definitely have artists to get to that level too, but country music, when we, you know, you're so focused on what's happening. Think about it. If you're, especially like say when I came up, so from the 90s to 2000s, right? Early 2000s, you know, you'd leave Miami, right? And as you get to past West Palm Beach here, that was it. It's called country music. All country. So you get to freaking, and you go through Georgia. You go. It was all New York. Back to back to the you know the energy, Chicago energy. But everywhere in between, that's a lot of people, a lot hey, of land. You know who played that card better than anybody? Mm. Nelly. Oh yeah. Remember bro. he came out. Nelly with that started doing. Yeah. And that I mean, was a killer song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's on his like third go around. He's got another one now with uh, Florida Georgia Line. Yeah. He's playing. Yeah. He's playing them nah, cards. Listen, right, boy. and this it, this is happening. There's a guy. There's an artist named um God, Morgan Wallen. Which is super dope. He's a I know nothing about him. I just discovered him about a year ago or something, maybe even less than that. And I'm sure he's probably got like I'm naive to it. I don't know it, you know. But his sound is straight country with like hip hop drums. It's fucking great, man. Give that another two years. Oh yeah, yeah. it's already happening. Yeah. I mean, look at Pip. Pip did this last album. He did two records. One with Zach Brown and one with. Uh, oh, that's right. He did it with Zach Brown. Yeah, and then the other one with, with what's his name from the Voice, the tall dude. Uh, uh, Why am I forgetting his name? He's a tall guy from. I'm the terrible voice. with fucking names, man. Me, uh, me too. Um, God. I know you're talking. The voice. He's one of the judges. He's he's married to uh, Gwen Stefani. Uh, God. Uh, why am I fucking? Yeah, can you look that up? Uh, put who's on the Voice. Yeah, he's voice. married to Gwen Stefani. He's, he's freaking, tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's country. freaking a huge artist. Couldn't believe he got Gwen Stefani. At first. <laughs> but then I realized he's a country singer. Yeah, it was well, not even that. My wife watched. He said he's so charming. Oh my god! Oh god, god please! <laughs> I know, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I think he Blake Sheldon. Yeah, Blake Sheldon. Oh, name, but anyway, yeah. So that was huge for Pitt, like just to do that. And Pitt's touching that. You know, Pitt also owns now uh, a NASCAR team and. Yeah, what he does. Yeah, he bought he bought a NASCAR team. Yeah, with Smart. two two Spanish drivers. Smart. Yeah, man. Are they good? Yeah, he won one, one, one already. Yeah, yeah. That's so, a good move. Yeah, that's it's a, a great move. Hell of a good yeah. move. I mean, you know, he's a partner, and I don't know all the specifics exactly, but I know he's in it. Even I'm, if he's got two percent, whatever. Yeah, no, but he's involved, man. He yeah. went, he went and opened one of the NASCAR races. Like he's he's in, man. Matter of fact, what I'm working on now after I leave here is star. We're working on a couple country flips that we're gonna go. I'm gonna go see Pit tomorrow. And just going to shoot, you know, just kind of catch up, but also playing some some new vibes. And, and now, it. how cool is that for you to see? You know, you're from Chile, right. Pitt's out, and right. then Pitt is at an opening up a NASCAR, I, I and you got all this racist bullshit talking, yeah, yeah, bullying yeah. this, bullying yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How cool is that? To oh, see I, I love it, man. It's I mean, that's just awesome. It, it's right? cool. Yeah, yeah. There's so many moments of Pitt that. Because at the beginning, of course, we believed and we were all like, "Fucking, you know, we're gonna do this." Everybody says the same shit when you get an artist. You know, you think you're gonna take over the world, but. They got close, man. I'm like, man, he got he got there. And I knew he was going to get big. I knew it. And, and I'm not saying that I knew he was going to get that big, but nah, I had really, really big expectations because I saw like how the mechanics in his head worked out. So this kid stays like this, he's going to be dangerous. He's dangerous. Yeah, the, the one that really blew my mind, two moments that blew my mind even before those was when he did the um, the New Year's the Ryan Seacrest and he was the oh, headliner yeah. in New York With and I Ryan was like Seacrest. fuck I know I remember, like, that's I, it I remember they went to him and I was like wow yeah man. and I'm like fuck he's fucking doing what do you think Ryan Seacrest has I know and Alfie was playing bass <laughs> really the engineer yeah 
What do you think Ryan's got really in his oh pocket? Oh, my God. He I made that Kardashian show. I mean, he took over. He's basically the Dick Clark. He took Dick Clark's lane yeah. and took it over. He almost killed himself working too hard. Remember yeah. he had to oh, take yeah. off for yeah, a while? Yeah, he's, I mean, he's, he was working that day show, the Kardashian Yeah, and then hopping on a flight Fuck. going over. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know him personally. I know Pitts met him a couple of times, but he's one of those, man. Hey, just worker. Worker, bro. they just addicted to freaking work, you know? But, I mean, I think a lot of people were wired like that during this business, you know? it's It, it takes a little bit of being a little... You know, nuts to. <laughs> you have to be. Yeah, exactly. You have to be to stay up till five o'clock. Yeah. I do it too. Yeah, you, you know, do. we all do it. Yeah, we Otherwise, do. we wouldn't be all sitting in here. Yeah, exactly. You know, if it's, you know, people look at <clears throat> me like they're like, you're still up at five. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I have work to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you know, you wake up and you're dying when you wake up. Yeah. You drink a ton of caffeine. Yeah. And, but this, you love it. Let's That's go. Why. Yeah, exactly. You exactly. know, this is so much goes on to this shit more than people know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> not to jump back, but yeah. uh, DJ Khaled. Uh-huh. You you known him for a long time. Yeah, 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 yeah. About, so, when, so when was the first time you met him? So Khaled was happening in in parallel to all this. You know, that's the funny part. Like my story with everything so was going on engineering. Yeah. Pitt started yeah. happening. And I was still doing that, and then Miami was like because when when Pitt finally broke nationally with the first record we broke out, um, we already had Khaled bubbling. He was at radio and all that, um, and. Again, BB and Circle House, they brought Khaled in. They're like, hey, listen, we want to do a joint venture with him. We're going to do an album with him. I'm like, all right, cool. So that's how I met Khaled. Um, and then jumped in the room with him. We did a reggae album that's still sitting in that. As a matter of fact, in that room, you see that? You see that? Uh, those machines in the back of that window? Yeah. There's a cabinet in there that's got tapes. And Khaled's first album that we recorded is in there. It's never been released. And it's still there. I know it's a, the digital tapes are there. You think it will ever get released? Who knows? I mean, we uh, uh, last time I think I talked to BB, he's like, yeah, man, I'm talking to Kyle. We're going to figure it out. I'm like, yeah, I should. You know, it's, it's cool to have as a historical thing, you know? You know, I was telling you how much I like Chris Brown. Yeah, I want to yeah. go back to Kyle. Yeah. He'll put out the album, like a two, a double album. Uh-huh. And how I, RCA tells him, because I follow him and everything. Okay, okay. Really, you know his story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And RCA is like, not a double album. He don't give a shit. Double yeah, album. Well, yeah. <laughs> And they don't even play it, and it still goes platinum. Yeah. And they still won't play it over whatever happened yeah. 15 years ago. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, he's nuts. He hit a couple guys. Yeah, whatever. yeah. I mean, listen. Whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but that's this episode is brought to you by Fiji. More than just water. This is not just rock. It's ancient volcanic rock that filters tropical rain, giving it double the electrolytes and its signature soft, smooth taste. It's not just water. It's Fiji water. This episode is sponsored by Aurora. Do you know what the fastest growing crime in America is? For years, this crime rate has been surging and affecting millions of Americans. I'm talking about identity theft, and there's a new victim every 14 seconds. Yet despite this, those who have had their identity stolen are often shocked when it happens. That's why I'm excited to partner with Aurora, who is sponsoring this video. Aurora is identity theft protection, fraud monitoring, a VPN, password management, and antivirus software all into one easy-to-use app. Their VPN allows you to stay anonymous online by keeping your browsing history and personal information safe and encrypted. Protect you and your family from America's fastest-growing crime. Try Aurora for free for two weeks and see if you or anyone in your family's personal information has been compromised. Start your free trial today. Go to aurora.com slash mscs the link is in the description below not the music right you know what i mean so yeah. with that i don't i don't get it because that yeah. that's like personal thing like I, the, yeah, music, it, like I, I did a back i was just at the concert three uh-huh. months ago okay right and i'm thinking all right he's getting a little bit older now yeah, yeah. i've been through as two kids three yeah, however many yeah 
right away. He comes out, comes off the thing, hanging. He comes across, gets down, as and I'm I'm front row, right? So I can see everything. Right, I've right. been waiting for this, right? Right. And he's singing. There's nothing in the background. Oh, no, he's no. singing. He's the real deal, bro. And he does the whole backflip thing, <sighs> like three in a row, and goes right into the hook. Yeah. Like nothing. Nah, he's that super. He's that super triple that dude, man. I'm telling you, like I mean, dripping sweat after yeah. song number two. You know what's <laughs> funny? The first time I heard his name was. Uh, there's a producer named Scott Storch. I don't know if you're familiar. Oh, yeah, okay. Scott Storch. Yeah, Scott. Yeah, yeah. So my buddy that I'm seeing tonight, Star, was I think working with Scott. Or, you know, he was doing work with him. I don't know what capacity, but they were maybe doing some co-production, whatever it was. And he says to me, hey, man, Scott's working on this kid, man, who's like a movie. I'm like, really? What are you talking about? Yeah, his name is Chris. He didn't even say Brown. He's like, Chris, crazy, man. I heard the first song because Scott's working on. I'm like, oh, cool. And then the record came out, which remember was that, um, dun, dun, I can't remember the freaking title. Anyway. And that song came out, and I was like, "Whoa, Star Wars!" Oh, yeah, it was the young one. The, yeah, yeah, like yeah. The, the, the very first, first one. one. Yeah, and, yeah. and it went nuts. And it went nuts. And performed at every show exactly. that there was. And then when I when I when I heard the record, and then when I saw him, and I thought, you know, and then ironically, I had gone to one of those jingle ball things or whatever years later, and I saw him perform live, and it's exact. I was like, "Yo, this kid is no joke." Like the, the as a dancer alone, he could have a career as a dancer. You know what I mean? Just stand alone, and then he's a freaking crazy ass singer. You know. Yeah, man. And he can rap. And you ever he hear rap? him oh, rap? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he can rap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's right there with- You know, there's some people like, you know how you were talking earlier, like, you're just born to do this shit? That's him, man. He's just one of those, which is it's so cool to see people like that. Yeah. You know? And then, sorry, back- No, no, no. Say not, Chris Brown- uh, Not at all, I'm man. Talking. Listen, that's great. <laughs> yeah. He's, so you, you meet Cal when he's young. He comes yeah. in. So, well, so Cal was already at radio. Cal was already like, you know, getting ratings and had his own mix show at night. And he had, you know, he was Mr. Hip Hop. So he was on the urban station doing his thing. The guys from Inner Circle bring him in, and BB like puts me onto the session and whatnot, and we record the album, and it was great. We just had a great relationship, and it wasn't like you know anything happened. The record never got put out. Um, and then Khaled kind of like went to another. I think it was he went to E1, which used to be Cox Records. Got a deal. I don't know the mechanics of how it worked, but I know he got a deal, and now he's going to do another a real album. And I think what happened was Khaled would, would, was real smart in the way he pre-planned everything. He's at the station, and of course, all the rappers are on media tour, so they have to come to the station, meet all the DJs, right? And he's like, all right. And then Khaled would show them the power he had in the city. So he'd take the record, drop bombs, spin it back 100 times, and then the record would start catching waves. So then he was like, look, man, I'll treat your record super special. Just make sure when I need a favor, you're good, you know? So that's kind of, he built a relationship with you know, Buster and all, all these guys. And so then he started thinking, all right, I built enough. I'm going to start cashing him in now. And when he did his official, it was official second album. It was actually his first album, which is called Listen. He had gotten a deal, and he went to the studio to do it. And we did that across the street because Inner Circle bought another house and put another studio in there, another two studios in there. <laughs> and we did the Listen album. The doors weren't even in the studio yet. And we just started recording and you know, actually mixing because he had already recorded it all. And it had, like, everybody was on there, man. Young Jeezy, it was crazy. The album, like, holy shit. And that's when I was like, damn, Khaled, you're, you're like, really going to do this. You know what I mean? But it was happening in real time. And it was just kind of like, I knew he was already so buzzy and he was such a hype guy and all that. But, you know, no one knew him nationally. I mean, people in the game did, but not people. Not, like, overall. Yeah, exactly. Country, he was just yeah. a, a popular DJ. And then he was, you know, in, in the urban world. But the way I saw him parlay that situation, the way I saw him, and, and he wasn't ever rapping. He never said, oh, I'm going to get in and start becoming the artist. Nah, he just was like, this is what I'm going to do it. I'm like, all right. People were doing mixtapes, Who Kid Did It, all these big DJs, Clue. 
but he took it to that artist level, and I, I kind of saw it in him doing it. And I was like, man, this guy. He, I don't know. We'll see if he does it. And yeah, man, that album that album did actually really much better than anybody expected, which brought the next album, which was We the Best, and then that's when he that's when he crushed. Yeah, because he got with Pain, and Pain was an amazing writer. Yeah. And you know. I heard T Pain <clears throat> sing. Remember, oh. everybody used to say he can't sing. What? No, nah, I heard he can sing. He can battle it out like anybody else. Dude, the funny part about him is the irony is that he breaks autotune, makes autotune a household name, and he's a fucking great singer. <laughs> I know, yeah. right? It's just the effect. You like the way shit sounded, and I I was like, I'm with it. I'm like, that shit sounds great. It sounds cool. It was different. It was different, yeah. I mean, now that you can, anybody can go in and do it or whatever, yeah, I guess this kind of bugs me a bit, but I'm, whatever, man. But he was the first one to bring it. Yeah, he it, was just the one. At least, at least that I heard on yeah, the Yeah, yeah. The first time I officially heard it was on a share record, like, Do You Believe? That's the first time it became, like, what the hell does that affect, you know? At least in the tech world, in our world, we were like, what the hell is that? But when Payne started using it, it was just it just a perfect marriage, man. And Payne's a fucking genius writer, bro. That guy's just got it like on a level I've never seen. You know who else I think is underrated? Wale. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of guys, man. That, but it depends. You know what I mean? Like it depends on like. To me, the reason a, a Payne to me was so probably because I was in that and Khaled was using him as his hook guy. So like, I'm so hooded. Uh, you know, all I do is win. All, I mean, all, all I do is win. Right. Oh, you know what I mean? And, and if you listen to the lyrics and the melody and the way he puts it together, like, I'm so hood, that hook is, I love it, man. It's it just, you know, at the time, it was perfect. But, he, you know, Khaled's stuff wasn't even, like, his main thing. He was already doing his records and fucking Akon shit, and he was doing everybody's. So he was a, a master of hooks. It's so interesting to hear this from you. Yeah. Like, how an entrepreneur like him, like, he already had planned out. He knew that those artists were going to come to that station ahead of right, time. Right, right. He made himself loud and known and yeah, big, you know, yeah, yeah, no. so that everybody in Miami knew who DJ yep. Cowley was. Yeah. And then he sat there and waited for them to come. And he said, hey, look, I own Miami. Yeah. They're not down here. That's it. I mean, that's a hell of a move. No, it's a great movement. And, he, and it's a lesson. I think yeah. somebody's listening that whatever job it is, yeah. you know, like you just plan it out. And it's against all odds because really at that time, now it seems normal, right? Because Khaled is Khaled. But at the time, everybody was like, Wait, what do you mean? How are you gonna be an artist? Like, how are you gonna perform? You gonna how are you gonna go on the road? You can't. All these artists are not gonna go on the road with you. And he said, "Don't worry about it." I'm like, <laughs> he just knew what he he had in his head. But um, he's so passionate, and like you said, he had such he had the city on lock on that on that side, and he just made, created a movement, and he just didn't stop believing. I mean, he went through a lot of shit too. Like you know, yeah. he's pretty private when it comes to like all the you know bullshit that happened yeah. to him, whatever. That I'm sure it did because I saw it with Pitt and everybody. But he was just very steadfast, man. Just kept going, kept going, and kept building. And then he opened up those restaurants. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just yeah, sm yeah, one, yeah. one smart move after yeah, another. Yeah, yeah. And then, like I said, I really caught wind of, not only his music, but I really caught wind of him on the Snapchat. The, right. That was Everybody the did. Listen, Everybody the, did. The crazy shit about that, right, was that, <laughs> so we're working out, mind you. You were probably like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Well, here? no, it was funny because, okay, so I had taken a break from, I think it was Kiss the Ring, that album. The next album, I don't remember the name of it. I didn't. I didn't do. I wasn't involved at all. It, I, it was schedules. It was just kind of one of those like we'd working for so damn long, you know. And um, I so he calls me and he goes, "Hey, bro, um, come on, we're, we're gonna work again. We're gonna. This is the this is the um, uh, major key album, right before the major key." He calls me up. He goes, "Bro, I got a new album. I'm ready. New energy." I was like, "All right, cool. Let's go." And our schedules were great. I was like, "I'm down. Let's do it." So then. Um, I get in the studio and we start, you know, just kicking and catching up or whatever. And he tells me, I go, bro, what's up with, I go, I said to him, because his favorite line is, God is great, you know? I said, bro, the Snapchat shit, man, God is great, because he was already like blew up. And he goes, bro, you know what's crazy? He goes, um, 
I'm sitting here in my house, running around, just kind of like, because, you know, he, all artists are depressed. Not to say Kyle's a depressed person at all, but he was like, man, I'm just in my pool, you know, running around my pool, just fucking thinking about what I'm going to do, you know, plotting his next move or whatever. And because things had cooled off. I mean, you know, he had done the, um, he had done the Little Wayne, Payne, you know, the kind of the Ross. That was the monster one. It, it, yeah, yeah and, it, and, it, and it was also like just that formula was already not played out, but it was already done a lot. And so things, we all thinking, oh, is things going to, you know, because with artists, things kind of start arcing off, you know? And here comes Snapchat, and he says to me, bro, I get on, because, you know, at the time, Instagram was, everything was new. So anything new came up, you just signed up and worked it, you know? Not us, but the artists. He goes, so I just signed up for this shit. I'm like, whatever, boom. I pop it on, and I start talking to people, boom, boom, boom. And I think at the beginning when you started with Snapchat, you couldn't tell how many followers you had. It was like no, a- Yeah, you couldn't say it. Right. So he was like just doing his regular shit, and he goes, and I started filming and talking in my fucking mind and whatever. <laughs> he goes, so he goes to me like, I don't know that nothing's happened. I'm just thinking it's another fucking social media thing. I'm still in the same boat. He goes, so I'm by my pool, and I drop my fucking phone. Bam, and it breaks in a million pieces. I'm like, shit. So he calls the store in Aventura, and he makes an appointment. He's like, yeah, yeah, come on, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll fix it or whatever. So he goes to Aventura, and he goes, you know, he goes, I, I know my fame at the time. I know people like, hey, Khaled, I got cool. So he knows. He's like, I'm out, but, you know, I'll see a few people, and that's it. And he goes, and I walk in the mall, and then I walk into the Apple store, and it's fucking, like, deed up in the Apple store, like a ton of people. And he walks in, and, he's, and the guy from the, the Apple guy comes in, he goes, hey, Khaled, do you want to do this out here in the counter, or you you want to go in the back? <laughs> and he's like, why? And he goes, and then the guy goes, are all these fucking people here for me? <laughs> he goes, kinda. And he goes, what the fuck? Like, like he goes, that's when I had the hum moment. Like, this shit's gotta be Snapchat then. Because people were telling him, but he wasn't thinking, like, you know? He, he didn't see it for himself. Correct. And then he saw little kids. Yeah. And so he was like, wait, what the fuck's going on? So, like, that's what's crazy. And then after that, I even told him, I said, Khaled, man, there's little kids. And I go, how do you know Khaled? They're like, Snapchat. And I'm like, wow, they don't even know. And it was a body work already. We already had I'm So Hood. We already had all those records. <laughs> yeah. All I do was win was already a giant hit. But these kids didn't know that. It was just like, it was Snapchat. I'm telling you, that, that yeah. took him to that. Oh, yeah. Huge but again, he he's, it he's out. yeah, he fucking said, oh, let me grab that shit and turn it. Because I was even telling him then, I would be like, yo, bro, you got to do some pop records. And when I meant pop, I meant pop for him, you know, not Pitt. Yeah. Pop it. I was like, bro, you got to be doing, you know, and this wasn't me like, I want to produce. I was just like his, his friend and telling him what I thought. And he's like, yeah. And he would say, say to me, yeah, yeah, no, I know, I know, but it's got to be the right, you know. And I was like, all right, cool, whatever. I'm like, just don't sleep on that, man. You should do it. It's time, you know. And so the Snapchat shit made it possible for him because he had another audience now. And it took him longer than I thought, but hey, man, he's got a way of working that. And by the time he got, what he, I knew that uh, Bieber was coming because Bieber had come a couple of times. Bieber was a fan of all the rappers that were around, like Ace and all them. And so he came to the studio one time to visit, and I was like, yep, I know. Bieber? Guys. Yeah. How old was Bieber at this time? No, Bieber was huge. Yeah. Oh, he, he was already Yeah, 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 he was huge. But um, no rapper would work with Bieber then. You know, I was like, what? What are you, crazy? Justin Bieber? Yeah, yeah right. that's crazy. Meanwhile. Right, but, <laughs> Back the, 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 but the foundation was being laid down, you know, and yeah. I saw, that's why I respect Kyle so much because on the low, I look back and I'm thinking, this, you know, and listen, not that it's authentic, but he saw it. He's like, it's the time has to be right. And he's nurtured the relationship. And, you know, I wasn't around to see it, but now in retrospect, from the outside looking in, I see it. So when he finally did the records of Bieber, they were natural and they were real and they, you know, it's crazy. Did, did you ever hear Bieber in the booth? No, 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 because uh, all the records were recorded. Matter of fact, those Bieber records, almost all of them were, were mixed actually by Manny. Because at that time, like, I'm already like 10 albums in and I'm like, I can't do them all. Yeah, no, I love Khaled. But, yeah. you know, the thing with Khaled, like, he's not only is he a friend of mine, but when you work on a Khaled record, like, Khaled's the greatest guy, but he's a special man. Like, this dude will be like, he, like, 
Like you have no idea. <laughs> like your life ends for three months. You have no life for three months. There's nothing. There's no personal life. There's just nothing but Khaled and his album, you know? And you know, that's how he is. Can you pull up a tab too? I want to, I want this explained. But you know what? I'll never understand. And, and don't you don't have to answer. Yeah, sure. You know, you're in the business. Sure. I don't I don't understand why Baby held Wayne's record that long. You know, I don't know, man. Those things. And those, and like I said, I don't want to. Yeah, know, no, no, no. I, I, I actually don't, don't know. I, 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 yeah. yeah, if I knew, I'd tell you. I, I don't know. But those situations happen so much, and it's so funny because until you're in real in a circle or one of them guys, like you know, that deals with it, sometimes they don't even share like what was really going on. You know what I mean? I don't know. But I've seen that happen a bunch of times. Sometimes it's spite. Sometimes it's just like just a disagreement. I don't like that record. You like it? You know? I don't know. Remember that idiot got it. The the guy oh, he, who got indicted. Yeah, he yeah. Got it. Yeah, yeah. How the hell? Now, how the hell did he get that? I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah, because the cash money situation that was whew, that was an remember intense. that mess. That was a mess. Yeah, bro, it was crazy. And and, and you know when they when uh, cash money finally went over there did their deal with uh, um, with Universal through um, Republic. Oh, Republic. Republic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything got more organized because then Republic was like, "Hey, man, we we got to run business more normal." So they kind of like, "You guys do creative, let us deal with business and paying people and all that stuff." And everything got much chilled, more normal. But by that point, now you know Wayne's a fucking superstar. And here comes Drake, you know. So it was like, yeah, Drake came in. Yeah, bro, he's that, a beast. No, nah. and we're forgetting about Eminem too. Yeah, bro, Eminem. Was, I mean, man, Eminem. He came like, out that he just came out yeah. with fury. Yeah, and but he came out with that fucking Dr. Dre stamp, and he's just yes, he he's just a fucking insane. I mean, like he's one of the best rappers ever. You know, yeah, I thought his last album was great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I re- you can't go wrong with him. I mean, yeah. it's like to me, he, you know, like a Kendrick reminds me of an Eminem, not in style, but in like whoa, like I can't keep up with what you're telling me. I got to rewind. You know, they just had that fierceness. It's incredible. Who's somebody that, that you had gotten a cut or a tape or, you know, mm. whatever's mixed, and you were like, uh, you know, I don't know if this is good. And then it turned out to be just a, um, a monster. Somebody that, like, people don't, you know, yeah, now. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't want to say that I've heard anything that I was like, that that I thought was like, uh, and didn't, and made it huge. Now, like, an example of that isn't because I didn't think the song was good. <clears throat> it was the, the Who Let the Dogs Out. It was just because it was silly at the time. I was like, Wait, what do you mean? And and all credit to Steve uh, Greenberg, which is the label head of that. He was like, "We're doing this song." It was like that song already existed. Somebody had done it in the Bahamas. I think it was in a commercial in Canada. And all I remember is we're in the lounge at Turkhouse House, and and Steve Greenberg's showing us a commercial that it was on the original. And he goes, "This thing's gonna be in stadiums, and everyone's gonna be chanting and in weddings." And I was like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" You know what I mean? Like, drugs are you on? Buddy, yeah, exactly. Right? So then, when it happened, I was like, "Whoa!" I remember when it. I mean, I was at a Dolphin game with the, with the Packers. Oh wow! And it's on, and I'm like, "What the fuck? This is crazy!" Cra-. You know, Steve knew this shit. You, you have to get goosebumps when you hear that. that. There's, or, you know, the moments for me are never like the like the Grammys or the plaques or that shit. The moments are always some weird shit that happens, like like that. You know, where I wasn't expecting it. And I'm like, "Oh fuck! This is wild." Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, go to the the uh, first tab. <laughs> first tab. There you go. Okay, so explain this board to me here. Oh, okay. That's the that's the solid state logic duality. Okay, so, so what the hell is all that on? So you know, when, if you ever hear the term SSL, that's all. Yeah, we're SSL. Ta- yeah, SSL is just solid state logic, and the other board you had before and this are all the same company. This is just the evolution of, of console. This is the most recent like release of the analog. And now it's kind of a hybrid digital console, but it's not, you know what's funny? It's not that difficult. I always tell people this. You see the center section? Yeah. There's a lot to learn there. But if you look at every channel and you go up, they're all the same thing. 
What do they do? Like, what are, what are so, all those screens? There? So uh, let's just imagine we have a band because it's easier with the band. Right? Let's say oh, we have the drums on this side. So let's start on the fader next to that little trackball there. Yeah. So if I bring that fader up, I would hear only the kick. Okay. And so I'll be able to say, I'm going to pan the kick to the left. I'm going to pan it to the right. You want to keep it in the middle, right? So we put it in the middle. You go back up to the next section, and it'll be like, say, a compressor to control it. And the next section would be like an equalizer to make it sound a little brighter, a little bigger. And then you move on and get the next fader. You bring up the snare, and you do the same thing. And then the hi-hat, and then the tom one, tom two, cymbals, and then bass and guitar. And and then the, and then that top screen where it's green, you know, orange. That, the, yeah, the, 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 you're talking about the screens at the top? Yeah. The, yeah, that's just where the meters are. And the, where you have everything set yeah, up. Yeah, it, it'll show you like information you're looking for. Like, for example, I want to see if the, the, the meter's peaking, and there's just a bunch of shit you can put up there. But it all happens really on the console. You know, the meters are just for you to like, examine what's going on if you want to display something up there um so that's basically the basics of mixing and then once you get it all together you're like you know you, you're cueing everything and you keep going back and now you go all right well let me make the kick a little lower and let me bring the hand up more you know? and what, is that a little ball there or is that the mouse yeah that's on? just so we can run pro tools because see now what's happening pro is pro we're, we're mixing in the box but the, in this scenario i'm mixing in pro tools but it's going through the console right now whenever i see this i always wonder like an engineer like mm-hmm. the, like you monsters I look at your your uh, speakers, and I'm like, I had those when I was 18 in the back of my car. I see them in every studio. Are you talking about the big ones in the back, or like like the white one? Oh the, yeah, the yeah, the, the, the Those are actually HS5s. They're, they're the I new... know, but it looks like to me like yeah. the, the, my boombox in the back of the car every time I see somebody's studio. I yeah, know. those are actually so Yamaha had a pair uh, uh, a speaker brand called a model number called NS10s that became like the industry standard way back in the 70s or whatever, and so that was it. It was an analog, uh, you know, uh, or not analog, just say it's called, you have a speaker either active or it's not passive. Passive means it has an amp you have to plug in, and active, the amp is inside the speaker, okay? So those are just the new generation of kind of NS10s, you know? Uh, so I used them for a while. I actually like those. I had like 10 pair of those little guys that beat them to shape, but I love them. Now, are those the ones where you don't have to get a separate amp? Um, yeah, those are active. Yeah, those are the new ones. Because this, this, this picture is actually not too long ago this is you know a newborn and all that this is circle house of c this is the cabana studio is it there's a pool outside this is where i worked with 50 i hit play on that uh ek because it goes to another slide oh, what is this oh wow shit. yeah it just goes damn to look at you man wow i want to i want to know damn i don't just want to know about you got like production work here bro well i want to know you know i want to you know i'm interested in shit i appreciate you know it, what man. i mean yeah, yeah. i mean i'm interested in all the people you worked with That's... of course but i'm also interested in <laughs> right, the thing right. itself yeah you yeah know? But I, that, I really, I never understood that. I thought yeah. each one of those speakers was maybe like a drum speaker, and then the other one was for the no, voice. no, no. You know what you're really doing is so in the center section there, like pause this, it there, pause like, it there. Like this console here too has the center section. You can pick. You see how we have here three sets of speakers as well. Yeah. So you would be mixing, for example, on the little ones, and then I want to say, oh, wait, let me hear real quick the bass on the big speakers, so I could switch. So you can switch and hear it on, and here, on here, the mix ones. on top and go, oh, shit, that's too much bass. And we go down to the little ones and work again. It's just having, it's like having different flavors. And then what's the glass thing in the middle? Like that's, where you got a piece of tape at? That, that's, the compu- that's just the computer screen that was built into this console. Oh, shit. So this is a, a SSL uh, 9000J. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was cool. And that was really for the recall. Oh, that really? Was you, where that, that's where the assistant has to look. It's It also is, see up there, there's a TV up there? Yeah. It, it doubles that TV up there. So when an assistant came in and had to do a recall, they would see the, the each channel strip and start. It know. mirrors it up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then what's the, the stuff in the back over there on the left hand side? The, that, that's the old Pro Tools converters 
Um, wow, you needed the, all that? Yeah. but That well, big box in the yeah, because, far left? See, you see the three racks, like after all those little buttons, there's yeah. three racks that look the same. Those are like, I think it was eight in and eight out. Eight in and eight out. So that would, like, there would be 24 tracks there. And those go into the channels on the board. That's how we did it at first. When Pro Tools came out, we were still running it through the board. Now, all this, I want to, and I'm going back, I want to say eight years, 10 years, I haven't touched the console in probably about seven. Do you miss it? Yeah, I, I miss the, it's just cool to feel it. But what I don't miss is someone calls a recall and it never comes back right. It's a shit show to going click, click, and I'm back. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> the convenience is amazing, man. I can't beat it. That's so cool. Just to me, it's just mind blown. Cause no, I, it is. Because like I look at my board, my yeah. little board back here, I'm like, oh, yeah, but well, it's, but it's just uh, I don't even understand those buttons. Yeah, exactly. We're but still I mean, learning they're that different topic. equipment. They're just different purposes. But but honestly, man, they're not like I told you. They're not that difficult in that. It's just really because they had to do that before. We had tape, so you had to run each sound on each in its own you know channel to mix it. Um, but uh, it's it's the room and the console matters. But it's also the the you know the Genelec's up there, the big ones. And the room is designed around the speakers. There's a lot of science that goes into that. So they spent tons of money designing. And tons of uh, soundproof, right? They yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The hell out of it. That room was designed by John. Is it John Arthur? I hope I'm not make, messing up his name. But yeah, one thing about Inner Circle, man, they put the money in. Like they did not cut corners. This, that's one of the nicest studios in, in the East Coast. Like, if you don't mind me asking, like yeah. that just that board and all. What well, is that well back then, back then that board was probably so the console a nine J at that time was probably four seventy five, like about five hundred thousand. And then the the monitors, the Genelix, uh, those are the fifteen, so they're probably uh, fifty thousand for the pair. The bigger ones that are in C are like eighty thousand. For them, yeah, and then the Pro Tools rig at the time was pretty expensive. That was another like fifty grand, and then in design. I mean, you 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 would rack up a, a million and a half easy on a, in a, on a decent room, you know. And of all those buttons, how many do you think you actually use? Well, that 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 room in particular. This is Studio A at Circle House. Mm-hmm. I mixed. Um, um, all I do is win there. Wow. Uh, who, who all the, I do is win there. All I do is win wow. in that in that console. I did. Uh, who let the dogs out in that room? We recorded six months with Lauren Hill, and we used every fucking wow. button on that board. Did you? Lauren, wow. she man, can, she can rip them. She up. was just, and she was exploring. When we were working with her, she was just, I wanna. We, it was crazy. I mean, we could do a whole podcast just on that. <laughs> it was incredible. It was an incredible experience. She's probably one of the most talented people I've been around. Man, she was incredible. That killing me softly. Yeah, she. I mean, you got to be able to sing. I mean, no. I know that you know Mariah yeah. Carey and everybody else. No, no, no. Lauren Hill is to she's, me. She's right there with him. She's the no. She's the real deal. Listen, I was when I was tracking. I was tracking. Like I said, I tracked um, Beyonce. I tracked uh, Mary J. Blige. I tracked um, Tony Braxton. A, a lot of the big girls. You know, the 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 girl uh, acts. And when I worked with Lauren, it was just raw, like raw. T- like she was like, I picked up the guitar about a year ago, and I'm like, you play like you've been fucking like you were born with the guitar crazy like we're in the room one time and she just picked up the guitar and started playing um john lennon's uh wheels go round and round really like a fucking movie i was like and i remember thinking this is crazy and we had microphones up and i think my assistant was running a dot tape just to like catch the room and i'm thinking this is fucking amazing i'm thinking yeah that's fucking lauren hill that's why you know you forget because you're in the room with them so much you kind of lose sight of who they are until they pick up a guitar and play you're like what the fuck Fuck. did uh wyclef find her well wyclef Wyclef, her and Praz were the Fugees. So, you know, she was she was Why young, man. Fuji, yeah. yeah, yeah. She she was just a young kid when the Fugees started. So it wasn't that Wyclef founder, but, I mean, he was kind of the older guy in the group, and he was kind of the leader, I guess, you know. I don't know, you know, 
drama went on with all that or whatever, but they were fucking iconic. I mean, and what's funny is when they were signed, it was when my brother had gotten the deal with that dance hall group. And I remember hearing, oh, we signed a group called the Fugees. I was like, oh, the Fugees or whatever. And then you realize who the Fugees were, and you're like, oh, Years later, okay. yeah. And then ironically, Clef from the Fugees is the one who gave us advice that got us pit. Yeah. Isn't that funny how it's it weird. all, yeah, all kind of like works super together? trippy, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when the streaming comes out, uh-huh. now you have to deal with that. Yeah. Now, how does that affect you? Um, Like streaming as far as like- Like, like yeah. you know, like- uh. Not Napster. I don't know what the first one was. Oh, you mean yeah, yeah, yeah. The when, whole, they, when they started the whole, the, like Apple. Yeah, exactly, you know, like, exactly. Remember Apple came out with the right, uh, right. what was it called? With the iPod or whatever it was. The iPod, yeah. The, the one that you could turn it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it to be honest with you, like everybody hates Apple for coming in and bringing the single price down to a dollar. You know what I mean? But to a certain degree, they kind of controlled the bleeding. You know what I mean? They brought in an opportunity to start thinking about music in a different way. So it affects everybody, it affects everybody, me more indirectly than an artist or a writer or whatever, at least as an engineer, but it affected the whole industry. And then for a while there, I was like, man, I don't know, man, like music's gonna have to figure out another way to make money because there wasn't, streaming wasn't it. And downloading, digital downloads are good, but it was still very like Not pirated. Like buying and CDs. Well, plus CDs, you can burn CDs yeah. now. So I was like, forget Napster, I can freaking just burn another CD and you know. So the pirating thing was never under control, it was just, you gotta think about it differently, you know? So. It affected the music business. I feel like it got everybody to get their, their shit together and figure out a better way to do it. And streaming was just kind of like the the one thing that everybody agreed on and said, okay, this is going to work. It's not a perfect situation, you know, but now they're raising the rates a little bit and whatnot. But it is a little weird to just have, to me, like to just have 10 million views or whatever, spins or whatever it is. And fucking writers are going to pay like peanuts, you know? It, it even kind of threw me off because I, yeah. I used to remember saving up and there was a, I don't know if they had them down here. I lived in Pennsylvania, but it was okay. called The Wall. And the you would wall. go, in, yeah, it was a record oh, store. Okay, you'd okay. go into The Wall and you pick. Okay. And I was a big Tupac fan at the time. Right, right. So I was looking at, you know, I'd always try to get there like when All Eyes on Me came right, out. Right, 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 And you try to go through them and right. fuck, it wasn't in. Right, you right, know, right. you go up to the guy. <laughs> no, there was, you know, yeah, the streaming it, thing is good in one way yeah. and it's so bad in another. You know what's crazy though? It's like, I was talking to um, my buddy uh, Chops yesterday about it and, and it technology really disrupts shit, and in that, in that, we experience music so different than kids today. And I'm talking like, it's exponential. Like, you know, we would like read liner notes, and we would, you know, getting the if it was a CD or vinyl, whatever it was, it was still the same experience. You're opening it up, you're excited, and all that. But then you think, man, it's been so long now since that was a thing, that like, if you go back 20 years, in the next 10 years is a whole new thing again. You know what I mean? Like, I look at it this way. I always I tell people, like, every 10 years, there's a new audience, right? Like, so, like, right now, there's a kid who's nine who has no freaking clue what we're talking about or what current music or what's cool. And in 10 years, he's 19, right? And we're not going to know what he's talking about. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so, but because of technology now, you got to think, like, we're talking, we're going on what? How many, you know, new people that are now, this is just- it's Probably out, been 20 years, right? Right. This is just normal. Yeah. Like, you know, we know what it's like not to have an iPhone in, in the ether. We know what it's like. Like, look, Pit, to me, is- Obviously, you know, we're getting older now, so. But Pitt to, Pitt, to me, is a recent artist, right? In that, in the span of time. But it, not that long ago, when Pitt came out, there was no Facebook. There was no YouTube. There was no Google. There was nothing. We were just fucking... Grinding. MySpace was the first thing that just kind of came in while we were doing that. And, you know, we're like, whoa, what is this? We were talking the other day. Can yeah. you imagine if you could remember your MySpace password? Oh, my God. What you could do to your friends? <laughs> exactly. That's funny, man. Think about it. Yeah, that. those are still there, right? They got to be there somewhere. We got to talk to Tom. Yeah. 
Remember <laughs> Tom? Yeah, Tom. The fuck? Ha- well, yeah. they sold it to uh, AOL, the idiots. Right, right, right. They right. were killing everything. Yeah, they MySpace were. MySpace had it a lot. They did. So did, I, so, so did AOL. Yeah. yeah. But, well, they ruined it. Yeah, they did. They did. It's funny, man. The first ones to come out are not usually the... The ones that stick around, you know. Yeah. It's just like the new wave now is crypto. I mean, you got you're talking blockchain. Uh, all the standards. Oh, bro. Well, listen, they're not not the crypto, but the technology. Yeah. The yeah. Dude, it's crazy. it's the new. It's gonna disrupt everything again. Yeah. And all the people that are current, like all the projects that are current right now, they're mm-hmm. big. They're gonna fade, and you're gonna have new shit Remember coming you out. You said every ten years. I yeah. think the next one's gonna be the what are they on Web three now or yeah, whatever, that's, where it's all decentralized. Yeah, that's, and then that's what the blockchain. You don't know is. where. So yeah. basically, in my opinion, yeah, it's gonna turn into Napster number two. It is because how are you gonna yeah how are you gonna catch it on that? Yeah, I mean the the thing that the, the thesis behind it is the whole getting rid of the middleman thing is good, but then you know you got to reinvent the. I mean, this is like this is a a, 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 a fracturing. Reality a little bit. You we, know gotta, we, we gotta call DJ Cal and think what he's thinking. <laughs> exactly, he's exactly. got something planned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a true. I, I love tech and, and I, I I welcome it because I'm a tech guy and I love all that shit. But I I now you know I'm older and whatever, and I think to myself, you know, you just gotta take it with the good with the bad. I mean, it's gonna be amazing shit, but it's gonna break some stuff. You know, I went back and forth with a couple artists, and this uh-huh. is just my opinion. I respect their opinion, whatever. <clears throat> if I was an artist right now, personally. Yeah. I'd sign that 360 deal. Yeah. And I'd say F it. And here's why. Yeah. And I want you to tell me what you think. Sure. I would because, okay, I can get a deal. Right. Yes, 360, they're going to take all my money for two years. Right. But they're going to market me. Right. They're going to put the capital out. Right. Yeah, I'm going to have to go on tour. I'm going right. to get peanuts. I'm not going to get any sleep. Right. But if you d- say you did it right and right. you did a two year deal, right. three album deal, whatever it right. is, right, right, right. Now you're known. Right. Right. Then you can leave that and you could sign a deal where now you go on touring to make right, your money. Right. Because you're or not you, going to make it in the stream. And make your money yourself. Yeah, exactly. So to me, if I'm a new upcoming artist and don't, don't run into yeah. a guy like you, right. and even if I did, yeah, there's I much would still I can say, do. Lou, I mean. Yeah, what am I going to do for you if yeah. you think about it? You know, like I can help you, but there's, it's just, it's How so. How are we going to push it? Right, exactly. You know? Somebody has to have a wallet. That's what I mean. Because the money makes the world go around. So yeah, from that perspective, I completely agree with you. Even in that, like, let's say that's the perfect plan. It's man, it's just it's a moving fucking target. It's the most frustrating. Like, I appreciate so much how successful Pitt's career went with all the ups and downs. Look at me, wrong, it was a shit show several times, but the odds of that shit working were not there, man. Like, I look back and think to myself, holy shit. Like, I mean, and that's credit to Pitt's, you know, tenacity and going and going and going. Hard work, hard work, but also how much shit had to happen to line up, you know what I mean, to just make it all, the even the state of where Miami was, and just me and my brother just randomly, you know, fucking Cuff tells us to look for an art. Like, you know, I'm not saying that if it wasn't for me and my brother, he wouldn't be there, because he would have found somebody, he was gonna go there. But just the way it happened, and the whole movement, it, it's that's the part that nobody factors in. So you can have a great plan, but man, like the atmosphere around you, like the macro will change, and you're like, <laughs> you know, yeah. your plan went out the window. And then it's like, what are you going to do? Put it up on YouTube? Yes, and, but the and, logic... I, and they don't I, pay shit. Correct. And the logic, I agree. Because then if you feel like, man, I don't got no followers. I can't get fucking anybody to pay attention to me. I need somebody with a big wallet to really... Yeah. In that sense, the logic makes sense. Got a guy who's actually going to come in a label, right? And say, okay, I'm, I'm rolling. Here's 500000 We're putting in the promotion. Put you with the right people and all that. You're going to have the best shot possible. And to be honest with you, if you have something going about you, a 360 is not like... The end of the world, right? Like you could negotiate a three sixty. That's pretty good, you know. Then you, 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 you three sixty means you get a little, you get a nibble off of your show. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, you're right. If you if that's the scenario for you and you can parlay that and that's your plan, 
but you got to think, labels are not stupid either. So they're going to be like, oh, we're going to give you this money and we're going to give you a two album deal. Mm, there's going to be an option there for a third, a fourth, and you know, so that it gets complicated. It gets, yeah, that, yeah, then it gets messy because Correct. you don't have the money to have a lawyer like they have. So right, they're right. going to put that little line in there right. after the two years when you think you're going to get out of it. We can exercise an option. Now, right. now they're going to use the option, and then Correct. you're stuck for another. And, and also, you got to think about this. There's also this thing called recouping. So, for example, let's say that they go, bam, we put two million in this project, and it does really well, but you didn't really make enough money oh, to recoup the money. Then it's you yeah. Owe them? You, yeah. Well, not you don't own them, but yeah, they're like they're more incentivized to keep you to get their you know their investment back. Yeah. But that's another numbers game that labels play. Messy. It is, man. It's it's wild. But and the kid I had in, he he sang. He yeah. Sang. And I was like, whoa, and he was on this indie shit. Right. And I said, look, look, yeah. you have it. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm sitting here. He's sitting here. Look, right. yeah, have it. Just sign a fucking deal. Right. Whatever. Sign right. a deal and find right. somebody. Right. Right. And go from there. Right. And he was so stuck on not wanting to give up his material. It's so funny. He wanted to own it. No, and man. I said to him, I said, what do you want to do? Eat at McDonald's every day? Yeah. You're going to have a kid one day. I know. You just belted out better than I've he yeah. heard in concerts. Yeah, yeah. Just sign the fuck. No, I want I want to own my own shit. I know. Man. But, but sometimes you could die by that principle, man. Because yeah. this is why a lot of people say, man, how could you be so talented and not make it? Because it's not the most talented that make it. It's the people who have the most like tenacity and the most you know discipline and ta- you know they have to have talent, of course. But you might not be the best singer, but you f- you figured it out. You know what I mean? And you have to be opp- opportunistic. Like you're telling him, bro, sign that deal because, and he's so wrapped up, you know, his own material. Like he, I I don't yeah. I don't want. I don't want to give up my material Correct, that I right. work for. Yeah, okay, yeah. so in 10 years from now, right. you own your material, yeah, yeah. and what are you going to be doing? Correct. Not what you love. Yeah, because the funny part about it is when you start out, sometimes, not all the time, but if you start out, who cares who owns that shit? Because your big record may come three albums down, and that one you may own because now you're out of that deal, you know? That's, that's so right. it's hard to say. And, and the other thing I, you know, with artists is, artists is very, it's hard to make people, I think, generally understand that, you know, uh, 100% of zero is zero. <laughs> you know what right. I'm Like... Right now, dude, you're not worth anything. You got it all, but what, your masters are not worth shit. Like, there's more than one that have that have been oh, in yeah, here no, that no. I've had a long time. I mean, I yeah, spent time, and yeah. I would say, listen to me. I, I know <laughs> you're like I, you're like a frustrated label. Yeah, over, and, and I'm no engineer. <laughs> I'm no uh, executive of anything, but I know a little bit about business. Right, right, listen, right. you have it. You're gonna be fifty, <laughs> right, and you're gonna have your right. own shit, and you're gonna be doing the same yeah, thing yeah. because, or you're gonna know and regret it. Yeah, or you're gonna know and regret it. So sign the fucking deal. Yeah. Okay, they put the option, and you got to bust your ass for yeah, three years. Yeah, yeah. Well, Pitt busted his ass for yeah, four yeah, years yeah. before he even put out an album yeah, yeah, with yeah. nothing to yeah. help him. And he signed a contract with us, then we signed a contract with TBT, <laughs> and we got- Which was the worst. Uh, yeah, worst. We got fucked so hard. But even with that, Pitt will tell you this, him, him and I have had the conversation, as much bullshit that we had to deal with, and as much, like, not, I don't want to say betrayal, but just be crazy stupid shit, still we acknowledge without them, Without crazy ass Steve, you know he did push the button. He did pony up the money. He fucked us really good, and he fucked up a lot of shit. But at the end of the day, hey, you still gotta give credit. Correct. And, and, and think about it. And then Pitt's records were big, but once that whole deal that all ended up in like an, in a lawsuit, you know that's a that's a two podcasts. But yes. right, so that <laughs> ended. have to come back for that one. <laughs> exactly. So that ended there, and then by the, at that point, not I was no longer tied to Pitt. Like you know, as far as business, obviously we're like family, you know. And so then he went to RCA, and think about it. His biggest record was I Know You Want Me, and that was he wasn't even on TVT anymore. So think about that artist. Yeah. All those albums 
piddling with shit anymore. He's like, bro, I'm in a whole new space now, and he built a whole new career. So you know, if you look, if you feel this is all I got, and I'm not going to put more music out, then you know I could see maybe being like, man, I don't care, I'm going to live and die by it. But careers are not built off of one record, man. Like we we did 157 songs in those wow. two years with Pitt. 157. Yeah. That's yeah. a lot of work. Yeah, and, but it was just a lot of like. But you guys were all friends and hanging and we had a house. Like and it was a studio. A yeah, it wasn't like we were spending time in the studio. But that allowed us the freedom. And you, but that's Pit was working, man. We were just working on it, freestyles, whatever. You know, it was just about getting the the, the workout. Say you and Pit, like right now, you want to go run a studio in New York uh-huh. because for whatever reason you want to go to New York sure. right now. Why uh-huh. I don't know. Well, right. I guess to make money and then get the hell out of there before you get robbed. <laughs> right. Because anything under nine hundred, you can yeah, 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 exactly. they fucking yank you. <laughs> now, how much like that studio that we had showed up? What would that cost to rent per hour? Um, studios, it depends on the city, too. You know, it depends. Some cities are better better rates or whatever. But an, a room like that is about 1500 to 2000 a day. That's not bad. Not so bad. I, I yeah. thought it would be a lot more than that. No, no, because you got to think of it this way. But it's a 12-hour block. Like So you go from, like, say so you come in at noon, and you're late at noon. They start charging overtime. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> I mean, at midnight. Yeah, Is that I, the option that's in yeah, that exactly. one? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I'll be able to say, listen, what's your start time? Tell us your start time. Because if you tell me noon and you guys come in at 4... You're gonna have four hours of, of overtime, but for the most part, they're pretty, like you know, Inner Circle owns that studio, and they're more of a family studio. They're, although you walk in, it's the greatest studio in the world. They're, they they work, they have relationships with people, or whatever. But usually, a PO comes from a label. The label puts a budget together. That, you know, when someone says, "I got five hundred thousand dollars," you know, forward, you know, advanced to me. Fronted, yeah. It's yeah, your recording yeah. budget. Is what it is. Yeah, that's all it is. It's your recording budget. You better manage it. My friend, I there's one name I don't want to say because he's. He's popular now. Okay. But okay. he came and they get, you'll laugh at this. <laughs> so he comes to me and he, he's yeah. got music albums and all that shit. Sure, sure, sure. You know, I'm still cool with him. Right. And he comes, he goes, yo, I got a million dollar advance. I'm going to go buy that Ro- that Rolls Royce I've been wanting. And I said, listen to me. <laughs> and I only knew this just yeah. from being around people. Like, yeah, not yeah, that yeah. I know everything. Yeah, yeah. And I said, do you know that every time you go into the studio, they're going to take part of that million? Right, right. And then when you go on the tour, Right. And that plane that you're flying, yeah. they're going to take yeah. part of that million. It's called tour support. And he's like, what do you mean? Yeah. Two years later, he Re- comes back. Recouping. He asked me if he could borrow money. <laughs> I swear to God. Now he's, now he's killing. I mean, course, now he's doing a, not killing. That's he's that story of, you know, <laughs> it's like a repeating freaking record, bro. It's crazy. And, and it's funny because you tell them and you're like, bro, listen, just be mindful of it, you know? But that's the problem. It's also urban music and hip hop, you know, like kind of perpetrated that whole, I need my chain and my car so much. Then I'm like, bro, like that's another thing. Look at Pitt. You don't see Pitt ever with a watch. With I remember Pitt was like, Pitt was kicking ass and taking names as far as money and success. Studio had a rubber band on. Like I've had fancier fucking jewelry than him. I, I've never seen him flash at all. <coughs> ever, ever, ever. ever and yeah. I watched all his shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that he was. I thought he was just extremely like before I knew you. And, yeah, yeah. Or not knew. I just met you. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, oh, or heard of you. I've heard of you. Uh, uh-huh. But Bobby, you know, who I'm sure, pretty sure, close yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I had always looked up to Pitt because somehow this fucking guy always showed up at the biggest events. Yeah, man. And just crushed yeah. it. He'd be like, all right, Pitt again. Yeah, but yeah. he would just yeah, crush. Yeah, crush he's it. just fucking like, he's just, he doesn't stop like trying is what I'm saying, you know? Like, and he's real smart in the way he moves. Like he, he always partners with people. Like anybody in his, in his life, like I remember he got that, um, I think it was the alcohol company. You know, it's branding deals. Most artists will be like, all right, give me the check. Where's the bag? You know what I mean? Give me 100 grand, boom, and I'm out. Use my name. I don't care, whatever, and they're off, you know? 
And Pitt's always like, nah, man, keep the money. I want equity. You know, and you're like, what do you mean you want equity? So I want a percentage. Right. Obviously, he, could, he, could, yeah. Yeah, he couldn't do it to Kodak, and he couldn't do it to like yeah, Dr. Pepper and Budweiser, <laughs> yeah. but the companies that were indie that were smaller, the, you know, he was like, nah, I want equity. And in fact, the alcohol company is a perfect example, and I don't know exactly this, and I may be paraphrasing the, how it happened, but from what I know, and I'll ask him tomorrow, he started as a minority owner because he was, you know, the sponsor or whatever, the, so the brand ambassador, smart. to buying out the partners to owning the company all, all by himself. What a smart yeah, guy, yeah, man. Yeah, what a, a beast. smart guy. Yeah, he's, he, the thing, that's the one thing I recognize with him young. He was like, I can tell he loved music, but it was like a stepping stone to whatever, you know, it was just a, a way out, man, to, from his life. Just to get out of that bullshit. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why he always says that phrase, you know, I turn the negative to a positive. He's like, bro. Like, I think he was on that uh, show, what's his name, with Sway. Oh yeah, Sway yeah. in the morning. Yeah, and Sway says. Uh, yeah, I remember that. He left them. In fact, I, ha- I have that in my. If you, I think it's in. Is yeah, it can in you my, put it, put it, website? Put, put no, put up the I, my IG. Yeah, I think he says it on oh, there. Uh, Instagram. Yeah, Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, it's, open, open, uh, open. yeah, I am Yeah, I think I have the video of him there, and he says it because Sway asks him, and he's like, "Bro, like, I, I never, I never could call Pit because I'm not that cool." I always fucking botch up with all these fucking sayings. <laughs> but anyway, I'll let you just watch him. But he's were big on that. Like letting people, bro, I'm trying to get the fuck out of this shit. You know what I mean? I'm trying to like stay in it, you know? Yeah. And that's the part you have to respect, man, from like a missing perspective. Let's see. I'll get yeah. you. Yeah, man. Oh, that's wow. a, that's not. Yeah. That was just, look, that's a picture. Look at that. It's Khaled, me, my brother, and Pitt. Oh, play it, click that. Oh, wow. Oh, this is my, birth, my brother's birthday, yeah. Unmute that. Uh, you can't hit the unmute. <laughs> It's the record that we produced for Khaled's album. <laughs> All right. I take it back. <laughs> yeah, that's funny, man. Long time ago. That's Daddy the guy Yankee. on the far right. Huh? The, uh, Daddy Yankee. Yeah. That's Teach, who's a Pitt's old manager. And that's lunch money, and that's BB from Circle House. That's Pitt in the middle there. And that's me so with two little chili beans coming. <laughs> <laughs> the Diaz brothers, yeah, look exactly, out. Exactly. Now there's an old as hell now. That's in my house in Atlanta. My brother loves that damn car. Yeah, I have one. I don't have one now. I had one. Oh, okay, yeah. That's his baby, man. He loves that thing. Um, yeah, so sure. anyway, I think if you go back, it's probably a ways back, man. I'm thinking I probably started... Let me see. Somewhere on here. There's your speakers. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Let's pick. Keep going. The wifey. Oh, man. Eddie Van Halen's that crazy or what? Look at him. Let's see. I think. Keep going. I think it's further back. I know. I'll put it in there somewhere. This is the only uh, thing yeah, I got. Keeps, the whole keeps scrolling. Keep scrolling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where is it? How about that one? Axel Rose. Uh, Which one? Rose. He hurt his ankle. Who? Uh, Axel Rose. Oh, oh, really? He hurt his ankle and he started to take perks again. Uh-huh. And right away he went right into rehab. Really? I respected the fuck out of that. That's crazy, man. That's good. Hey, because you know what? He knows himself. Yep. Yeah, that shit is. Oh, there it is right there. See the bottom corner? The, uh, uh, to the right. Yeah, right there. Yeah. So check this out. He asked him that. Oh, wait. Not to stay in the streets. Mm-hmm. Oh, you have to start it over. But mm-hmm. that and that's where it. I've been very. Yeah, yeah. It's real simple, dog. I rap to get out the streets, not to stay in the streets. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's where I've been very blessed to learn from a little John, been very blessed to learn from my Uncle Luke, been very blessed to learn from the Diaz brothers, where yeah. they taught me how to create my own lane. Yeah. You know, they say, why, why are you going to, even if you're in the streets, can you imagine 
Why would you want to push the same product everybody pushing? Now you got to fight for territory. Now you got to fight for a spot. Now you got to fight for a hole. You got to fight for a trap. Yeah. Nobody looking at what you're doing. You got your own hole, your own trap, your own block, your own everything. Now you create your own city. But that's number one thing is I always listen. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's when what I was talking about. Exactly I just uh, said, man, let me take this all in. Let me take this all in. And never got caught up with, I never got caught up with the fame. I yeah. never got caught up with being in the club every night. I don't, I don't even get caught up with social media, dog. Don't. <laughs> see the crap. Look out, look out. He's doing a show. He's still got a Blackberry. Like, I, I just talked to you the other day. Blackberry. Yeah. Is that a Blackberry? <laughs> 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 phone next to you. Look, he just said. It's real simple, dog. I rap to get uh, Anyway, that, that proves the point I'm telling you. Like, yeah. He had that from the beginning, you know? And I was like, yeah, this kid's, you know, he's enterprising, you know? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, scroll through a little. Cl- click that middle one. I want to see that damn board again. Oh, wow. yeah. Oh, that, that's me and Khaled there, yeah. Uh, go up, EK. Uh, no, not that one. That's the wifey. Television. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry. yeah, no, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, that one there. Let's see. Oh, I just wish him Cal That's Cal's studio. He actually still owns it, but I don't know if we're in there anymore. That's called, um, what was it called back then? The Vault? And then what did he call it? Damn, I don't remember. But we did a lot of records, and then we did I'm, I'm on one. Well, actually, finished it in Toronto, but all the I'm so Hood, all that shit was done there. Um, okay, click on uh, Lou's website. Uh, take us through your website a little bit, Lou. Yeah, my website's just pretty much, it's just really an engineer site. It's all it's it is. It's cool, bro. Yeah, I mean, I, I got to have a page where people land on, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, today I, I, I work with so many artists from all over the all over the world that oh, I have yeah. to have a place that they can land. Over 50 platinum and gold. Yeah, awards, man. 24 years Long fucking time. Lou Diaz is a three-time Grammy Award winner and has over 50 gold and platinum awards credited to his name. He has been mixing and producing some of the biggest names in the music business for the past 24 years. Yeah, that kind of sounds. If you are serious about your project and you want your <laughs> your mixes you handled by a legendary seasoned professional, then you've come to the right place. By, by an old dude, man. Like, <laughs> hey, you ain't lying though. That's one thing you can't you can say. You're not lying. Yeah, yeah. I had to put we had to put a site up just because people would hit me on social media. I like you know, social media. I'm the worst, man. People always get mad because I don't even do Facebook. I hate Facebook. I, I never did it. I was weird. I I, the only one that I took to was in, uh, Instagram. And uh, like, yeah, I, I got family. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm like, bro, like, text me. Like, you fucking, you got my number. Like, people are crazy. Click on uh, gear and apparel in the upper right. Yeah, those are just like links, I think, to like, because people always ask. Oh, uh, ask you to put stuff on for them? Yeah, no, like what to mix set up. And oh. the, yeah, these are just like links of like equipment. That's so cool. I mean, if you're an yeah. engineer and you're. Yeah, I thought they yourself, were cool shirts. Yeah. <laughs> they were funny, you know? I'm going to get one. <laughs> we'll, we'll put all this in the description. Okay, cool. Not that you, not that you need the nineteen ninety. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> After five, I, I, had I need to have a. Party. I had to throw that shot. At well, you. no, because <laughs> if you look at the a gear and apparel, it'll have like a like a little mix setup, yeah, a little recording setup. Because I got that fucking email so many times. <laughs> what do you use? And I'm like, bro, this is so easy. You know, you gotta just buy this stuff. You know what I mean? So it's just, I guess, a part of it to try to give people resources to do shit. Because I know people ask. You know, I thought it was so cool when you were making. Uh, you were make what for two years? You were making videos uh-huh. of how to mix. Yeah, and that, that that's like really recent in my life. Like I remember when we were when we were thinking about moving to Atlanta. So as as technology took over and I started working less on the console and more at home on a computer, um, I had a little kind of writers room that I'd set up in my uh, house here in Florida that I never intended to be a mix room. It was just something where we could come, invite people, over, we could write together, maybe record something, but nothing fancy. It wasn't treated. It was just a little room. And then little by little, I was working there more and more and more and more. I'm like, shit, I gotta, I might have to like put a budget together and take this room apart and actually put a mix room together because this is where we're going. I'm going back like you know, 15 years, maybe 12 years, something like that. And so then um, my wife goes to me, you know, all these years you've been working, you never like 
reached out to any of these pro audio companies? And I'm like, when? I'm trying to get home so I don't get killed. Exactly. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's work. So she was like, all right, I'm going to set up a little, you know, I'm going to write an email. Just give me the names of the people. I'm like, all right, well, these are the companies, you know, whatever, because we were going to invest a lot of money in putting a room together. So I gave her a list of all the people and I thought, all right, whatever, let's see. And so she sent out an, an email, like a coming email blast. And immediately I heard back from, uh, from Avid, which is Pro Tools, and, and from Waves was actually my first one. And it was c- crazy because it opened up a whole other part I never even thought about in my career as an engineer, you know, just like endorsement deals and just creative shit that we could do together. And so that started my, my sort of relationship with my first endorsement was with waves. And they were like, Hey man, you know, you know, I was like, Hey, I want to do a plugin. They're like, well, you know what? How about this? We want to do like some video content. I'm like, all right, whatever, you know, I mean, the good thing is I got everything for free. And you know, of course there's, there's all these little side deals that, that we do that um, are coming, you know? So, um, they said to me, do a video. I'm like, all right, cool. Let's do a video. That's great. And at this point now I'm in Atlanta now. So I'm like, let's shoot it up here because it was just easier. So I go and I do it and I thought to myself, okay, let me see what other videos Waves has because I thought I want to see what other guys have done, you know? Because, you know, on on that roster, I'm like, I'm a little fish, man. Like, there's there's legends that are yeah, much bigger than I am. Video thing, yeah. No, no, no. I'm talking about even on, as an engineer. Like, there's, you know, the guys guys work with the Beatles and shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm, they're all the Beatles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, I've done well, but I mean, I don't see myself as, I see myself as a small fish in a small pond. Okay, you know what I mean, but anyway, so probably why you got so big. Well, just like Pitt, though. Yeah, man, I I, I keep it in perspective. Yeah, that that was a great little clip there. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He just illustrates. Yeah, Yeah. and he pitches that to people all the time when he does interviews. He says it, man. He's like, he. I can tell the message he's trying to convey to people, and I kind of do the same thing on the engineering side, where I, I tell people like engineers are like, sorry, I'm dumping the plaques and the fame and you know all that crazy. Which is, yeah, man. If you paid your car note. Recording somebody like what the fuck like bro you won you what know do you what have to complain about yeah that? like you know partly that you won that, that that's to me that was a bigger moment than I got my first gold record you know I haven't heard Pitt on an interview for a while <laughs> yeah and now that you said that you know he was a battle rapper yeah I could see oh right yeah. now he's ready to go yeah I mean if, if you <laughs> if you take that leash off <laughs> yeah. I mean you can hear him he's yeah, ready yeah no yeah. let him go boy yeah, look yeah. out no we have fun when we get together <laughs> and hang out he like you know starts doing the old the old pit which is great you know what I mean but yeah. It's wild, man. All right, before yeah. before you're late for your next one, just two no, last good, questions. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So, give me one time. You don't have to name uh, who it was. Sure. Where just everything went completely wrong. Just like a really like bad a se- story. Like a session. Yeah, and then a good story. And a good story. Well, the good story I told you. I think there yeah. was the, the the who let the dogs. That was pretty cool because yeah, it was you can't just like beat what? That. Yeah, exactly. You know, you can, I mean, there's no story right. about that. They still play that at the Super Bowl. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> a bad story would probably be. I, you know, I don't know if there was necessary. There was so many bad in that. It was just chaotic and crazy, or you don't get paid. You don't get the credit. There's a million of those. That shit happens to every engineer. Um, but I wouldn't say there was one that sticks out as the worst session ever, you know? Um, I mean, there was the most intense and fucking draining sessions, you know? Like, the cash money was crazy, not because they were bad guys. And they would roll up to the studio with a fucking bus with 60 people. And, you know, like, every, there's people everywhere, you know what I mean? In the, in the studio? Oh, yeah. Oh, so across, yeah, you'd be in that room, and we'd have about 28 heads in there. See, Everybody smoking out. It was crazy. See, that'd be tough for me. As like, <laughs> just like if I was doing it because I'm trying to concentrate. Right. I mean, just for me personally. Right, but right. I guess you got, you adapt. Right. 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 Well, you, you know. Well, that leads me to what we were talking about before. So, like, because I did that for so long, and I was in the room with people so long, I was a really like I was into the whole working by myself now. Right. Like technology allowed me to work at home. Yeah, man. Like I can compress what I used to do. They used to take me 18 hours down to eight hours because the other 10 hours were a lot of bullshit. Just a lot of people. 
and I loved it because I, I created a lot of relationships, but I got to a point in my career where I'm like, I, I don't need any more relationships. And it's like, I always tell people, being in a studio with people is like being in a road trip. You just get to know people in a different way. So, but that's cool if you do it one time, but when you do that one day, the next day is another client, and it's just revolving. You, you know, I kind of burnt out as far as being in, in rooms of people. So now working on my own, it's just like, I don't know, man, I love it. Like I'm, It's just a whole new space, and I feel like I work better, you know what I mean? Yeah, because you don't have the distraction. Right, and that's what led me to being at home, and then doing the endorsement deals came from, well, now I gotta take being at home serious, I gotta build a room, and that's what got me the wave thing, and then the video, and then you know I'm in this whole another. Sh- I'll tell you what, you got one hell of a wife to deal with. You got, oh my gosh, just for twenty years, so lucky. She's amazing, man. You know how many women would deal with that for oh, twenty four years? Uh, listen, that, that, zero. That's another podcast. Maybe one. Yeah. Oh no, 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 man. She is because when she came into my life, I mean, you know, her and I, we we knew each other. We went to high school together. Did you really? Yeah. She doesn't. Oh, she looks. Cool. She looks half my fucking age. But fucking high school yeah. sweetheart. Yeah, yeah. That's well, no, not really. Cool, dude. We were just friends. I mean, we didn't oh, know each other. That bullshit. You no, 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 no. Instinct. No, no, no. Yeah, 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 no. She she went to high school with me, but we didn't really know each other in high school. And then we went to college together. But I actually went to college together too. Yeah, well, not knowing, huh? Like not knowing? No, no, no. We were like we were actually kind of knew each other then. We were oh. just happened to go to community college together. And uh, I married a friend of hers, and she married a friend of mine, not <laughs> close friend, but I mean just friends that we were, and we were all cool. And as the marriages failed. That her and I were friends already. We had a history, you know. I, and I never, I mean, she's gorgeous, and I love her to death. But I wasn't like, you know. This is the one. Yeah, I was just like really close to her. And then that blossomed into a relationship. And we had such a history that it was just natural. But when she came in to my world, I was in fucking like the beginning of Pit. I just won the Grammys and out my life was fucking crazy. I was double booking myself. I was partying. It was crazy, bro. I was like in a hurricane, you know? So I would show up to sessions. I'm like, you told me you were starting Thursday. I'm like, oh shit, I told you Thursday. Too. I told so she came in and kind of like organized my life. And I kind of moved it over to her I, in fact Pitt told me one time he said man the most genius movie you ever did bro was putting your <laughs> wife between me and you and all these other people because she'll write me some shit and I'm like if it was you I'd be like you motherfucker what are you crazy and I'm like uh okay uh yes ma'am <laughs> right but not yes ma'am but like <laughs> yeah, yeah, I gotta, I gotta be more me. chilled you know yeah. what I mean but she did and, and she started booking you know doing the scheduling so that now I could sleep and this business is very fluid and she could change while you're sleeping so she's an early bird. I'm a night owl. And so it ended up working out. She just got my life organized and, and got, you know. How, how did you work that? Because she's an early bird. You're a night owl. So you're yeah. up all night. Yeah, she's yeah, in yeah. Bed. So yeah, yeah. How does that how I know. Do you sustain it's, it's, that? It's, for, it's, it's, it's that, I mean. It's just amazing. Like, it's amazing and so special to me. That's why I'm Yeah, asking. yeah. No, it, it, it's, listen, I, I, I'm the luckiest man on the planet with this girl because she's just an incredible, incredible wife. But, um. She's also on television, so we have kind of a kindred like in the, we're into the same thing sort of, um, but the the being like on opposite schedules forever works only because we make time. Like so, for example, when she was when she started doing her TV career, she was doing four states a week. It was crazy. She was it's funny. All, and she's a Capricorn, pizza Capricorn. I got Capricorns in my <laughs> life, bro. Okay, like it's crazy traveling Capricorns. Oh, so she ended up doing this commercial for um, uh, a company. Uh, in New York, it was a marketing company, and the commercial blew the fuck up. Like it got crazy. Like the owner of the company told me they did a million dollar day on her on her. Commercial. Wow! Congratulations. Was, yeah, it was crazy. I mean, on the product, you know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, well, she did it. She yeah. Oh it. yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, yeah, it was her talent. But so then you guys got. Yeah. So they started sending her all over the country to do you know little in, in affiliates. So she'd come say in the West Palm Beach, she would do, you know, NBC here and CBS here get on a plane, go to the next city. So I would go with her because I was working on, in the box and I'd be able to take things to the hotel room, but I'm like, man, this is fucking bonkers. And we were moving around like crazy. 
So then that's really what kind of got us up to Atlanta was because we're flying her through Atlanta and that got us in there. So, you know, that part of her life was after organizing my life. So imagine now her thing's going and we're both like, so we just work really well together. It was just the perfect fit almost. It is the perfect fit. You know, she got you right, then she popped. And then I was able to handle some stuff for her too on the the back end. And then you both understood everything. Yeah, so we have a good yin and yang. But the thing was is because her career got like that, we made sure, and by default, we were spending time together because I was like, I'm not going to just let you go on the road and be out fucking, you know, come back on a Sunday, pack and leave again. So since I was able to be mobile, like I was doing Codex album and I had a fucking backpack and I'm going to get the, you know, the, 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 the Ritz. <laughs> you know, like, I, I heard he's got another one coming out. Yeah, yeah. Codex a beast. He's another work, work yeah. monster, man. Monster. Yeah, yeah. You, What's uh, that? Yeah, bro. No, Codex, Codex special, man. That guy's another one. No, I say he's a Broward County legend. Yeah, bro. Everyone yeah. from Broward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did like I did four albums. I did his first album, and I did like the following three. And ironic, really? yeah. Wow. And um, my assistant, old assistant engineer. So that's one thing that's really cool. You asked me about special moments. Really more about the people because I have out of all my assistants that I've had over my career, I got six that are Grammy winners. Yeah, so it's cool. Like yesterday, we did an interview, and Ben Billions, which is a crazy producer, he was my assistant engineer. Derek, who produces for Kodak and records and mixes for Kodak now, another assistant of all both of us too. So it's cool to see guys come up from our nucleus, you know. And you did his first album, and he yeah yeah. How, Derek how, how young in. was he? Um, Kodak, damn, I think he, he, he must like, have been. Yeah, he was like twenty one, painting pictures. Yeah, yeah. He and it was unfortunate because he was locked up the entire time I was working with yeah. him. But um. You know, nah, man. He's just another. He's like another variation, right? He's more of a. He's more of a intense dude. But in there, there's a guy who's super smart and super. You know, he's just. You know, he, you're a product of your environment, man. And he's been through a lot of shit. So, and I don't know. You know, I don't know him like that. But Derek and him found that what Pitt and I had. You know, um, and they just they're they're, they're doing it, man. I'm super proud of. He, he proud sounds of him. like he's got that natural. He's just natural. Yeah, yeah. Like he doesn't need all got, kinds of shit that, on. And late. he's got that workout thing, man. He's just yeah. works. He loves to do what he's doing, you know. And like you said, it's it's a shame with someone like him because they got all that talent, and yeah. like you said, they're just a product of the environment. They yeah, don't know yeah. Any better, yeah. And when know? I sat down and talked to him, because Kodak was 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 a, a really trippy artist in that Derek would record him right, they'd make a beat, and he'd go and go in the booth and do a verse and he dropped the headphones on the floor and it's like, all right, upload it to Pro Tools, I mean to, to YouTube. And Derek's like, bro, we like we gotta mix a song. We gotta master it, we gotta put a roll, you know, what do you mean throw it up on YouTube? He's like, why, it sounds good. <laughs> he had no clue of like why you would mix a song, any of that. So when they bring me in, I'm like, dude, you, does he want me to mix a song? Like, I don't wanna be the guy coming in like, you know. Like saying like, F you, I'm gonna do what I want. Yeah, yeah, right? I was like, dude, I, I wanna, so that I had a little meeting with him, and he was super cool with me, he was super ch- chilled. And I explained to him, look man, it's gonna change a little bit, it's gonna sound different to you, but it's it's meant to be for, for the song to elevate and be better, you know? And he's like, yeah, 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 okay, cool. But it, you could tell he was in his own headspace. But he listened, and he's like, all right, cool, I got it. And we had a conversation about like, I, you know, I kinda said to him, yo, bro, man, you, you know, this could be really a life changer for you, like what Pitt's saying. Don't forget the big picture. This shit could be in ten years, and uh, I remember him saying, "No, no, no, no. You're right. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah, man." And but he was still in it. You know, he was still in a lot of energy. But you notice now, and I've been out of that system. And matter of fact, I, I'm going to reach out to Derek and just ask him like for an update on what's going on with him. But I see, I see Kodak getting more centered and more okay. This is he, he a seems like changer. he's starting to mature. Exactly. I, exactly. I, I mean, look—he's a young kid yeah, went through crazy shit, right? Yeah. The fact that he's even here is unbelievable. Is unbelievable, and so I'm yeah. shocked that I. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, it's wild. Yeah, and he's and, like I really because you don't see him. 
jumping around, partying. Yeah, anymore. You don't yeah. see like it's, it's before. It's calmed down, yeah. Because I he think was, you realize that there's a big uh, gold thing. Yeah, there at the yeah, top of the yeah, boat. yeah. And he's and he he was a wild child boy. He was crazy. But you know, hey, listen, man, the most infamous are you know. Yeah, that's why they're infamous. <laughs> <laughs> and then tell me one more good story. You got out. Oh my god, man! I got so many. That Kodak one was good. Yeah, yeah. No, it was just cool to see. Like I got to see. Oh yeah, uh, remember Ben's X-Men? actually brought me into that project because remember Ben was my assistant and Ben hired Derek. So like it, that's the way it went up. So when, actually Ben's the one who brought Derek into the Kodak situation, brought me into it, and then Derek and him hit it off, and that you know kind of became a thing. So that's what's cool about it. You know what I mean? To watch now Derek be the one who. And it's like you guys are all just a big family. Yeah, yeah, it's know? cool. It's super good. It's like, it's like brothers, man. There's, all, there's fights, but, you know, it's all good. You know what was a shame was, uh, I always say his name wrong. I don't mean to. Yeah. XX. XXL, uh, uh, yeah. That got shot at the Yeah, extension. XXX, yeah, yeah. He was good. Extension, yeah, yeah. He, it, you know, that's it's, what I'm saying about Kodak. It's just, it, and now a lot of these like drill rappers, man, it's like, man, like you can't just fucking like, I mean, listen. I'm saying it from a place that, what the fuck do I know? You know what I mean? But it's just such a shame because you can see the potential of what you could do with your life and to just see it, you know, get fucking shot down and lose your life over it. It's just, you know, it's just a drag to watch that, you know? Yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah, yeah, but you you know, the audience to me, I feel like it's hard to change a whole, you know, waft of people, but if you can get them to see, like, look, support the positive side more and just get artists to start moving in that direction. But life's been, look, gangster rap, it's the same shit. We lost two icons, you know. Who do you think? Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that, can yeah. you imagine if they were around now? Oh my god, they beat. Yeah, no, no offense, but to ninety nine percent of these oh, guys, yeah, Pac no. and Biggie would be yeah, eating yeah, these yeah, guys yeah. alive. Biggie was, yeah, Biggie was one. I mean, both of them were like freaking ridiculous. They, they like they actually had lyrics. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they have that 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 thing that you look for artists, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, out of everyone you worked with, yeah, what was one of your favorite ones? Um, like people wise, God, there's a lot of them. Or, or just maybe a song. You know. Um, I want to say, geez, I always, I always talk about the Lloyd Banks song only because I spent so much time in my career early in New York, so I have this kind of like kindred connection with New York. You know, like if I hear um, Cream from Wu Tang, it's yeah. like fucking transports me to Union City and crossing the bridge into my hand. You know what I mean? Like I spent a month and a half there, and so I have that sort of situation with New York. And so when the Lloyd Banks record came out, and I had a, a few people in my time and you know and my, i'm sure my brother too where people would be like y'all did that song and i saw the because re- they're from new york and it was just cool to have that connection so that record for me for some reason i just like you know i don't know why it's that it's the new york thing you know who we forgot to talk about akon akon yeah. akon put a dent akon's fucking yeah i mean he brought he brought pain in yeah you know, yeah like akon's another one he's freaking monster great writer great singer same shit you know what i mean and also a good businessman and a great dude like now, I don't know Akon very well. Like I never met him, but I did a bunch of records with Akon. But another like super nice guy. Like you could just tell, and because I know people, or, or you know, that know him. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. I know did the you, real deal. Did you think Drake would blow up like he did? Yeah, you saw. Yeah, it? bro. I mean, I didn't see it because by the time it was like his first record that came out, I was he was just doing something different, a different sound. But and then, by the way, another super nice guy. Yeah. Oh man, you know what's funny? Would like you know we're all victim of this. Well, we'll watch TV and we'll be like, man, that guy looks like he's gonna be freaking arrogant or you know whatever. Not that I thought that about Drake, but I, for some reason I thought he was gonna be a little like you know cocky or whatever, which is cool. I don't care. I dealt with that. And when Callis sent me up to work on the I'm on one in, in Toronto, which one? Uh, I'm on one. I'm on. Yeah, you yeah. worked on it. Yeah, I did that record. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So it was me. Jeez. Yeah. It, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. We did that in <laughs> yeah. Toronto with you a forty. Them out, boy. <laughs> 
Yeah, hey, you got to tell me about that. Yeah, so we went to we went to Toronto, Cal, because at the time Cal wasn't flying. Oh, but, he was yeah. still on that not flying. Is no, he, he flying now? Now he is. Yeah, yeah. he's been he, flying for. He's, he's only been flying for like about five years. <laughs> we would tell him like, bro, are you crazy? You know how much money you leave on the that table? Bus. He wouldn't get not get in a fucking plane. He was really scared of flying. Yeah, yeah. Fat Joe, I remember him too. Yeah, yeah. He was super scared of death flying. So anyway, I'm proud of him that he's flying now, you know. But um, so then at that he's like, man, I, I you know, I, I go go up to him. I just wanted to have my guy there. I was like, bro, forty. I was like, I wanted to go because of course it's Drake or whatever. But I was like, bro, forty's fucking like an icon engineer. Like, let him do his thing. He's like, right. nah, but you got to. You don't want to step on his toes. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. But forty was super cool, man. The, the whole camp, they were just so chilled and welcoming. Like, Yo, bro, whatever, whatever. You, I was like, bro, I mean, I'm here, kind of like you know, like I'm I'm Cal's security blanket, you know. But we, you know, we we signed a room and worked together. There's actually a little video there if you see of us in on the room it. with them. Instagram. Yeah. yeah, it's actually Cal telling the story of that. But anyway, yeah. So I go up there, and in my mind, I had a, an idea of of, of Drake because he was already like you know really big. So I'm I was kind of ready for the oh shit the Hollywood thing, you know. And it was so opposite. He was so chill, super cool, like just a regular nice guy. We talked about Pitt, probably doing a record together with him, and. I love Pitt. I'm like, he was just super normal. And I was like, bro. And I told him, I said, bro, I love when I meet a celebrity and you're, it's like you, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, yeah. a, like, like, like a guy you're, you're sitting at the bar super, or you're, yeah. you're sitting and having dinner and super, just super done. Yeah. Yeah. So he was great, man. Yeah. It was really cool. How long did it take to make some, get that um, song out? I went up to, for, that was a killer. Yeah. It was a great I mean, record. I know that was one of the platinum ones. Oh yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. one of the 50. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he, uh, he, 50. That's 50 million. um he that was was not that it was done but like when he sent the song to Khaled I remember Khaled put me in the room he's like let me play you something he played it to me and I was like wow bro this is gonna be huge so mixing it you know because 40 is like like Drake's guy he already had it so prepped you know it was already so there and I remember we were just dealing with like the low end and a little bit about it was more about arrangement I remember he like in fact I think that video and you you guys will see it on, on my Instagram later um he says, because I was like, hey, man, drop the snare on that. You know, it was arranging. It was like, hey, should we mute this? Should we do that? And Drake was, because he showed up, uh, Drake showed up super late to the session. <laughs> yeah, like us. Like, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And uh, we were there for probably with Drake maybe two, three, maybe three or four hours. Uh, but the beginning of the day was, you know, me and, 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 and 40. And at one point, the first day, he's like, bro, I'm setting everything up, bro. Go have fun with your wife, bro. Like, take a day off. How cool. So, her and, yeah, her and I went. We saw freaking uh, Niagara Falls from the Canadian side. Oh, cool. Spent the whole day and then went, went back to the studio. And she was crashed on the couch, actually, when Drake came in. <laughs> and you'd think my wife would be like, oh my God, Drake. She wakes up, she's like, hi. <laughs> and Drake looked at me like, you know, I, I'm not, I know I'm a big star, but whatever. I'm like, <laughs> it was hilarious. Like, that's who she is. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, Lou, you got to come back because I can, oh, I can course, sit here for another three hours with you. <laughs> I don't sure. want to kill you, though, because you'll be late for the other no, one. No, 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 I don't no, want to get blamed. <laughs> no, no, not at all. It's a pleasure to be here, bro. It was great. Really Thank fun. Thank you I enjoyed so much it. for your time, yeah, man. I, mean, listen, I had a lot of fun. I appreciate it, bro. Sorry yeah. for all the questions. I'm just no, really interested. No, what do you mean? No. That's what I'm here to answer, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to give you as much as I can. Thank you so yeah, much, bro. Sir. It was a pleasure meeting you, bro. Congrats on the platform, you. bro. Oh, thank you. Yeah, but this is awesome. And I, yeah. I, I love to see you back. Yeah, for sure. Let me know. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right, brother. All right. Yeah.